fucking internet be a pizza. Welcome to episode 121. That's right, 121. It's the same forwards and backwards for Monday, December 21st, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where there's been over 4,000 people shot. But hey, it is the Christmas spirit. And from America's left coast, where this Christmas give the gift of a Bem rant. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Can they do that? I mean, I know that there are these websites like Cameo where you, you can buy like a, uh, you know, a few minute video that you want to send that to somebody from your favorite celebrity. You know, for a suitable donation, I, I can probably give you a five minute rant on just about any topic. <laughs> it's a personalized Ryan Bemrose rant. You just have to uh, make a donation to the grumpiest podcast in the universe at grumpyoldbens.com. How you doing, trolls? Thanks for coming along live while we do these things on the No Agenda Stream. We hijack it every Monday, every Friday, noagendastream.com. And we appreciate everybody that comes along live during these shows, including our buddy Surly Mofo, Blitz, Net Ned, Pro Go, that cold acid guy, Try Husker. I saw Fletcher in there before, uh, way earlier, Carolyn Blaney, who, uh, you know, they're preparing for a show tonight, too. They do Mondays. We do Mondays. So Mondays is like double the fun. Uh, Mondays are are some of the one of the seven best days of the week in my book. Do you think there are more than seven? Just questioning. Uh, is no, there a- no, but it's definitely in the top seven. I mean, you use the Dvorak keyboard, so I'm not sure. Sometimes you do things a little bit differently. You're like, well, no, there's a there. I mean, you the way you so, argue things, you're like, well, no, there's a, there's obviously eight days a week. And uh, uh, well, that's how often I argue. But yeah, I, I am a little disappointed at a, a total missed opportunity for the show open. Um, I mean, if, if you're into the number numbers thing, numerology show one twenty one on one, two, two, one. Yeah. I'm I mean, 21st. How, how, yeah. how did we miss 1221? Never mind. Happy solstice. It's that. Yes. Yes. It's that numerology day. Yeah. It's uh, Frank Zappa would have been his 80th birthday. It would have been my grandmother's birthday, which a hundred and something is it's since passed. But uh, always remember, because it's the first day. Technically of winter, and uh, you're gonna, I did go out tonight and stare up at the Christmas star. Yeah, I saw that. That's uh, it's like the first time in 400 years or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, that, uh, and I'm sure it's very impressive. But if I go outside and stare up, it's nothing but clouds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's usually these things that only happen like once every 400 years. You know, weird things are happening in the world, and well, you know, it seems like there may be some weird things happening in the world. Yeah, don't say. Yeah. Well, I just want to let everybody know. I mean, it's, it is Monday. So 39 shots, six fatally in Chicago this weekend. And Breitbart is reporting so far in 2020, over 4,000 people shot in Chicago. Woo! That's actually quite a lot. Yes, <laughs> That's, it's, yes it is. What the fuck is wrong with you people over there? I mean, but remember, guns are illegal to have in the city limits of Chicago. So these 4,000 people must not have really been shot by guns. Well, that, that, that's that got to be why they were shot. It's because guns are illegal. 
You know, it, it's sad. All of this stuff, including seeing that the overdose deaths in San Francisco far outnumber COVID deaths. And uh, there's so much stuff coming out that the the asymptomatic spread it seems to be total bull crap. Which you I don't say. Yeah, I think we kind of called that. Uh, Rand Paul is going full Bemrose, which I love when Rand Paul or anybody that was actually elected to office can go full Bemrose talking about how masks are nothing about putting people into submission and how they don't work. And it's the same stuff we said here, but of course, you know, we're just a bunch of crackpot goofballs and people will kick us us way more credibility than a politician, but I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) Yeah, well, we should, we should have a little bit more credibility because we are not in anybody's pockets, but it's interesting because sadly, yes. I mean, would you like to be in? So whose pocket would you like to be in? I don't know, somebody wealthy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this yeah. vow of poverty that that we took by by starting a podcast. I don't know about. Yeah, uh, your your Chicago numbers, though, did remind me of uh, that uh, crime prevention resource center story from uh, was it last year? Maybe you you remember that one? Um, which story? I mean, I don't think it was a crime. Oh, prevention- uh, it wasn't really a story. It was just it was a study that had come out last year uh, that. Uh, well, actually, I'll just give you the the conclusion is basically uh, they studied a whole lot of places that have banned guns at one point or another. And in every single case that some someone banned guns prior to 1980, uh, murder rates are more than twice what they were before then. Oh, you mean it's like the covid rate after the mask mandates? Yeah, something like that. It's almost as if. Perverse incentives cause the opposite effect of what they they claim that they're going to try to do. Well, we have laws. We just don't enforce them. But then when we have a problem, we decide we need more laws rather than more enforcement. We're actually in a phase now where a lot of people want less enforcement, less police, defund the police, all that crap. But, you know, then they want people to be forced to not only do they want them to be forced to wear masks. There's places around the world that are relatively. Uh, you know, civilized like Ireland. Now that the story this week was they're looking to make it a hate crime to even like or retweet a post on Twitter. So, um, wow. I don't I, know. I, I mean, I see the logic there. Well, uh, just, on logging on to, just logging <laughs> onto Twitter should be considered a hate crime because that's pretty much what happens there. Uh, I actually did have a story from Europe. I'll go ahead and, and bring because I really liked it. Apparently, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but the freedom of speech in, in the United States has really kind of been eroding lately, especially when you have people who claim that, oh, freedom of speech just means the government shouldn't censor you. And Facebook and Twitter are private companies. So it's perfectly fine for their thought control. You know, that's right. kind of how it goes. Well, it's not government censorship, but it definitely is censorship. It's absolutely censorship and it's absolutely infringing freedom of speech. The, the, they're okay. I, I've ranted about this before, but there is a big difference between saying that something violates the First Amendment and something violates freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is you can say what you want. And if anybody who has power over you prevents you from saying what you want, you don't have freedom of speech. It doesn't have to be the fucking government. Everybody who's like, it's not freedom of speech unless the government is censored. You are a fucking retard. Yes, the First Amendment says it has to be the government. But it's still infringing your right to say what you want therefore it is censorship it is freedom of speech stop lying anyways um 
Did you know that Poland actually has freedom of speech or at least something much closer to it than even what we seem to have? Yes, I've heard. I mean, I have a family that's Polish. And uh, I mean, we are buddy comic strip blogger. He's Polish. I well, I was just, it. it, uh, you know, I I keep looking, you know, I've been shopping around for places where I want to live that aren't the left fucking coast. Right. right. And uh, in Poland, uh, Justice Minister Zbigniew Ziobro, I I know I butchered (laughs) that name, but I had um, has put forth a bill that would enable individuals to file complaints against social media companies that censor speech, which is otherwise lawful in Poland. Um, and the Polish government would fine any social media company that censors legal speech up to $2.2 million per instance. That's a really good idea. It's well, I mean, the, the door is wide open for unintended consequences, but right now the pendulum on the power of social media companies has is so far over that they either need, they need to be brought back somehow. And if you are the kind of person who trusts your government, um, which admittedly is not actually that hard to do these days, more than the social media companies, um, coming up with some kind of check and balance and being like, Hey, you guys really need to not freaking do this. Uh, effectively, this is kind of the same thing as, as the, the repeal of section two thirty. It is, it is putting some, some kind of, of legal recourse on a company who otherwise is trying to thought police you. So I don't know. I, 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 my my unintended consequences gland is is kicking in and 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 spitting hormones out at it but otherwise yeah i mean i'm not entirely against it well the interesting thing is of course that the internet is worldwide and people that use twitter are not separated by country nor does anybody think that they should be but it makes the whole legal basis of things really really interesting we talked about this even with things like being able to legally put music and podcasts or legally stream music that you have to get licensed in every country that you want to play this in so i mean you can't just get a blanket license which is one of the reasons it's so yeah. hard to find a uh oh, oh no copyright rules are way too complicated but it's the same Say concept so. when it comes to free speech rules because you're crossing all of these borders and you have people in the UK who undoubtedly have less freedom of speech. It seems Ireland has way less freedom of speech right now than we do in America. And it seems like we have less than they do in Poland. So how a company that is allowing people from all of these areas to communicate in the same place, how they deal with this stuff is intriguing to me. I can see where they're eventually going to try to do the, you know, put up the IP walls. So it's like, oh, well, you're in. Ireland. So only you're going to only be able to talk to people in Ireland because our laws are so screwed up that once it becomes, I mean, just imagine the concept here of retweeting hate speech in Ireland. Now, what they're going to consider hate speech, anybody's guess, but it's probably something like, oh, wow, they called somebody by the wrong pronoun and somebody said that was stupid. And then I I retweeted that because I thought it was stupid too. But see, calling somebody by the wrong pronoun in Ireland is illegal. So then. I'm going to jail now because I retweeted that. It it just it makes my brain hurt. 
It really does. You, you know, the, the, the naive solution to this, of course, is to create a one world government to unify all laws everywhere. Well, they're trying to do that. They, they are, in fact, trying. I don't think that's the right solution. The right solution, in my opinion, is to reduce government restrictions everywhere. And that should be done on the local level because that's where people should should have the most power. Um, Progo brings up in the troll room uh, one of the big concerns that I have with regards to this Polish law and the reason why I can't wholeheartedly jump behind it. I just love the idea that somebody's pushing back like this. Um, and that is, uh, you know, if, if you go out and and post a bunch of dick pics to a forum and they ban you that that is technically uh you know if if dick pics are legal um uh, well okay me i i actually i i honestly have no idea if dick pics are legal in poland csb will have to uh let us know i've seen his art and some of it might qualify but i'm not sure he likes how much of that is he likes bots, okay. not dicks uh but um Whatever it is, you post something that is is legal, but otherwise objectionable and somebody bans you from their forum, then, you know, now you can sue them. Uh, All of this is, of course, tempered by uh, the the chilling statement in the article that said we would have to uh, review these on a case by case basis as they come in, um, which is is a great method for some government bureaucrat to gain power over things because of selective enforcement. but. Like I said, uh, the everything is about the implementation. Um, I'm I'm at the point where I totally applaud pushing back on social media companies trying to censor. But like I've said many many times on this show, uh, government regulation is not really the solution to the problem of Facebook and Twitter. But the real solution is very very difficult to push past the sheep out there, which is people need to stop fucking using these social media platforms go to alternate platforms stop using twitter log the fuck out delete your account but if i can't even convince my co-host on this show to do that sort of thing then there's no hope for the world well you gotta use it you gotta be where the eyeballs are to a certain extent you don't but that's where uh the, the people that are successful are and it depends what you use it for there are things you can use twitter for that uh you know aren't horrible but what Progo actually said wasn't dick pics because that would be obscenity and that's different in different places. He said then you could sue if you were kicked off a platform for being a dick. And that is a much, again, harder concept to understand because, well, what is being a dick? That's kind of like what is hate speech? This concept well, of anytime I, there's I, I an argument, you know, of course, one side's going to think they're right and the other side's going to think they're wrong. Well, I, I only modified that as. as- trying to find a means of of what you know the the real distinction with regards to the law is what is against polish law and uh although i do a little bit of research for this show i did not go out and look up polish law when i read this article but it's like even with the hate speech though i mean it's absolutely insane that some of the stuff that's considered hate speech again like misgendering somebody it's like yeah i don't think that's hate that's mr gender to you right that's mr gender um you know, this is but this is the world we're living in where it's getting to such crazy minutia. It's not like you're going out there and calling for violence against somebody. The hate speech could be as something as what I would consider vanilla, which could be, you know, a very, you know, conservative Christian or something saying simply, I believe homosexuality is wrong. Now, in some areas, they you will call racist. that hate speech. Right. Well, it's not. Racist, but that's uh, <laughs> it's a different ism. 
But some people would consider that hate speech. And I don't. I don't consider having a viewpoint different than somebody else. And just saying you disagree with something or you don't like something is hate speech. Now, saying, you know, I think everyone that's a homosexuality should be burned at the stake. Now, that's hate speech. Yeah, but that it, that's a little bit of a problematic position. Yes. Yes. But I still don't necessarily think that that saying that should put you in jail. I mean, it should it should do well, well, what no, polite societies do, which is when you say something like that, everybody else looks at you and says, wow, what a dick. Yeah, the, the, that's because you were raised in in that uh, anachronistic bygone era of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, which is is such an old fashioned way of thinking in the day of everything you say is grounds for canceling you. Yes. And I don't even understand how people that have grown up in this new society with all of the hate speech stuff and bullying stuff, how any of them live where they're on any social media platform. I certainly don't know how they could ever be a podcaster because I was going through yesterday and noticed our buddy Midas, who was on the last show of the fun fact Friday show with he and his daughter. That guy. Yeah. He he left a review for us over on podcast Addict, a good one. We appreciate that. <laughs> I was wondering, <laughs> right. It was good just to get that right out of the way. And I need to do that on podcast Addict for the shows that I listen to because the reviews are great when people get them for all the shows. I know we ask people to do them and then I forget to do them for the shows I listen to. So I am guilty and I will rectify that situation. And thank you. Meet us. But I was looking through the reviews of the no agenda podcast and wow, the negative stuff is just crazy to read. A lot of this stuff is just very, very, uh, very, very hateful. And uh, you're, you're making an argument to not read reviews. Well, yes, I would agree that if you are a, a podcast host reading the reviews, probably not so good. Getting the reviews good because it helps the algos. Which is why your buddy uh, and my buddy, Carl, I have to do his show, too, now that life's getting somewhat back to normal of who are these podcasts, have a very simple concept, which is give us a five-star review and then trash the show in the actual comments that you leave. And I like that idea because that just screws the algos in every which way, and it makes it hard for people to understand what, you know, if there is an actual bad review, it makes it hard for people to decide whether or not they want to listen to your show. Is that what you're saying? Well, it makes it impossible to know if any of the bad reviews are real or just comedy. And that makes even the people that are you you've never been so angry at somebody and you're like trying to get your point across and you, they're just laughing and how incensed that makes you. That is what goes on. Then if you're trying to be I, like, I'm usually on the other side of that interaction. But yeah, <laughs> you're like, this podcast sucks. And people are like, hey, good review. No, no. I mean, really, this podcast sucks. And it's, it's <laughs> uh, you know, it's like there's no way to it totally negates the negative reviews when you ask people to do that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, that that is absolutely genius. But just the hate filled kind of comments you see. In reading reviews for podcasts, you know, of all different sorts that uh, it's like, yeah, I don't know how people that grew up, like you said, we were used to the sticks and stones and concept. And when people say stuff, you go, well, I know I have more self-worth and I'm not going to let that really bother me. You know, I mean, if it's somebody like if your wife says something to you, well, then maybe you'll take it a little bit more seriously. But like random people oh, on the Internet. <laughs> No, you don't. When when uh, when Lisa says something about you, yeah, you actually, if yeah, if, if she's mad at me, then I don't get to. But go on. <laughs> right. You're like, I'm just going to ignore this and we'll revisit this at another time. But, um, you know, this is it. I just don't get 
all why people get so bent out of shape, you know, not only about just speech, but when it's random, nameless people on the Internet. But, uh, you know, I agree with uh, with uh, Bandrew, who does the Bandrew Says podcast, the guy that reviews all the audio gear on YouTube. When he was talking was we talked about the Pornhub thing, but his worry now with any kind of social media site, any kind of site where creators share things, because Pornhub now went to only material from verified creators, from verified people. Yeah. It, oh, it was it was a, a genius move if you're trying to kill your platform. Yes, but how long now before this is going to be, you know, for any social media, which is. I mean, I don't know. The case can be made both ways is, you know, is it really good if we can verify who the person is behind this on Facebook or Twitter or whatever site? Some people may say yes, but totally destroying any anonymous communications then really stops a lot of good things where people need to speak out, but will be, you know, jailed or whatever, you know, killed for saying something. Well, the the nice thing about having a free Internet is that as long as we have a free Internet, uh, there will always be another platform you can move to because there are you know, regardless of, of what the the climate is, the political climate, what you know, how authoritarian the bureaucrats are or the the screeching woke leftists or whoever it is that's driving your the public culture. There will always be people out there who value the ability to do whatever the hell they want. And as long as you or me or Progo or someone can throw up a PHP BB and have an open place to communicate, uh, we we will still be able to do these things that the thing that, you know, the network effect is, is very strong. And it seems like every single time that, a platform gets enough network effect to become really, really big and global. It's only a matter of time before it becomes compromised. It obviously happened with Twitter, happened with Facebook, happened uh, with YouTube. I guess it's happened with Pornhub now. It, it's it seems inevitable that the, the moment you get big enough to have real network effect, you, you're going to grab the attention of the people who want to compromise you and it. It's really hard to hold out, but the beautiful thing is if, if you don't have that kind of, of stickiness or FOMO or whatever it is that requires you to always be on the number one big platform, no matter what, if you're okay with having your interactions by IRC and uh, no agenda social or Mastodon or, uh, you know, getting your news from a podcast instead of the mainstream. If, if you're okay with always finding the next small thing that's actually free, uh, you can get along pretty well. Cold acid says truth cannot live where anonymity is dead. That's deep cold acid. And, uh, yeah, I agree with that. You may be, uh, you may be spot on. And Progo says uh, after the, uh, prawn hub thing that a site called X hamster kind of followed suit. Is that something Harry hamster owns? Is that, uh, is that his website X hamster? I'm not familiar with that one. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll put that on my list and uh, make sure I'm in my, uh, under a VPN, under the private mode 
with a browser that you can uh, you can scrub at a moment's if notice. You say so. It sounds like. I, I mean, I mean, it's legal content. The only the only people who are going to judge you for looking at porn are uh, your yourself, possibly your wife, possibly your your religious figure, and of course me because I judge you for everything, but not because you're looking at porn. Yeah, I don't need to go to I, that site though. I just have a VPN directly into your network attached storage device, and that's I mean there's. You think Pornhub well, is a lot. Talk about a fire hose. Yeah, talk about the <laughs> fire hose. Yeah. Amen. And it's not all pics. It's, no, no, it's, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of media. There's video, there's audio, there's, I mean, it's a multimedia extravaganza, they say. But I digress. So, yeah. Um, you're, you're familiar with who Sidney Powell is, correct? Yes. Uh, the lawyer for General Flynn. She stood up there on stage with Rudy Giuliani and promised us, promised us, promised us that this election, it was a stolen and she wasn't going to prove it. Well, she has said some very accusatory things toward a company called Smartmatic. Yes. Which, I mean, and- let's just remind everybody that the guy that was running Smartmatic up until just like a week ago, th- that he was running Smartmatic. Now, George Soros hired him to run his whole empire. Just saying. total coincidence. Total, no connection whatsoever. <laughs> it wasn't for a job well done at Smartmatic. And let me just yeah. also throw this in here, wedge this in before you get to the story. I just want to know. We're now being told that this SolarWinds thing was the largest computer hack in the history of computer hacking. They got into all the most all the government agencies. But they didn't get into anything with the election, huh? Nothing at all that we could point no, to. No, no. Ele- I'm told that the election machines are totally secure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it, but okay. I, yeah. Thank you, Scott Adams. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So uh, Smartmatic had sent a cease and desist letter, The their lawyers in particular, uh, a lawyer by the name of J. Eric Connolly had sent a cease and desist letter telling Sidney Powell that if she does not stop uh, they they are going to sue her for defamation of character. Well, uh, even lawyers apparently need lawyers because right. what I'm looking at right now is a letter from Lynn Wood, and we've definitely talked about him on this show before. Uh, de- definitely become one of my favorite lawyers in 2020. Uh, you know, he first appeared on our radar when he was representing Nick Sandman and managed to get a massive, massive settlement out of CNN and was it MSNBC for their totally blatant coverage in, you know, one-sided fact-free coverage. Right. The Porter Covington kid who just smiled at a native American. And of course he was wearing a MAGA hat. So he was a racist. So this is uh, a letter from Lynn Wood to J. Eric Connolly of Smartmatic saying uh, read legal notice and retraction demand from Smartmatic USA Corp. Dear Eric, I represent Sidney Powell. I have carefully reviewed your letter of December 15th, 2020. I am not impressed. Ms. Powell <laughs> retracts nothing. File your lawsuit. Sincerely, L. Lynn Wood. That's to the point. Mic drop. Yeah, that is to the point. I've read your letter. I'm not impressed. Click. Yeah, we retract nothing. File your lawsuit. That's it. <laughs> We'd like to see you in court. And I mean, I bet you this is how like 90% of this kind of stuff goes. It's all posturing, but it's yeah, easy. But that is some high quality posturing. That's just what I'm saying. Yes. And it's easy to scare the little guy. There's no question about it. The uh, we mentioned on the last show or two shows ago, the guy, the booth junkie who does a bunch of audio reviews on YouTube as well. 
where he did a video talking about this scam where people were putting the paragraph in to people's jobs on like Fiverr. That was what you have to read when you're using the Descript site, which is the one that learns your voice and all that. Well, he showed a screenshot of one of these places that lets you hire and get hired if you're voice talent. When he was doing this video to just to warn people that be beware of the scam of people hiring you to do this. And he had screenshots of this service, which is, you know, totally separate from all this. But this is where the scams were going on. And because he had screenshots in his video, they sent him a cease and desist letter. And he said it cost him a thousand bucks with a lawyer. And he looked at what he could and couldn't do. And he has now uh, terminated his uh, business dealings with them and will no longer use it. But this is the new litigious society we have. So uh, you know, it's not that new, but well, there's no. always more examples. Yes, there's always more examples. There's, I mean, and he was just like, I really can't believe this. You know, I'm trying to warn people, including people using your service of this scam being perpetrated on your service. I mean, they were doing nothing wrong, but in their terms of service were like, you can't share any screenshots of anything as long as we have a business relationship, as long as you're a customer. So he's like, well, then I decided not to be a customer. Those uh, in terms of service that says stuff like that are, are by the way, not particularly enforceable, but you usually have to get lawyers involved in order to demonstrate that, which Yes, that yes, the 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 lowest friction method of dealing with it is to no longer be a customer. Yes. And lawyers are not cheap, even for these small things. And uh, you're in that, you know, in that you cover your ass mentality. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot. I've never really seen people getting sued for things they, you know, post on Twitter. Maybe that's because there is still an anonymity or something like that behind it, unless you're a blue check mark. It's a lot harder to prove these things. Uh, no, the the blue check marks used to mean that this is a real person. Now they mean this is this is somebody whose opinion we agree with at Twitter. Usually, yeah, yeah. That's uh, we would like you to read their thing because their thing says what we like, and uh, yeah. it is it's it's nuts. Yeah, all this, of this. This is this is genuine Twitter approved mind control here. <laughs> Well, it's mind control. It is the ultimate in wokeness. And I mean, I don't really care much of the things that are going on in Hollywood at this point. We've talked about that. But I thought it was funny that, you know, CBS now they have a show called The Stand and they they're under fire now. It says here in a Breitbart article for actually daring to hire a character who could hear to play a deaf character. I, yes, I actually I had that in my show notes from last uh, last Friday. We didn't I, I didn't bring it to the show, but it <laughs> I had brought it was in my notes and I was looking at this going. This is some woke retardation here. Um, just for background, the stand is a Stephen King novel from 85 ish. Yeah, I'm probably sometime. off, but it, it it was back in the day and there was already a. Uh, a six hour miniseries made of that had Rob Lowe and, and like a ton of other uh, Gary Sinise um, that uh, I, you know, I personally thought was pretty decent, but of course, if something came out in the eighties and, and was decent, then they have to remake and ruin it. Well, yeah, because everything has to be woke guys and nobody has any new ideas. 
Well, yeah, the important thing is you take all the properties from the 80s and you remake and redo it with with a diverse cast. And that somehow improves everything. Right, right. <laughs> I was I was passing around a, a meme yesterday. It was uh, uh, talking about um, sci-fi series that have been rebooted with strong female leads, female leads so strong that they killed their franchises. And it had a picture of uh, the the lead whose name I forget from uh, Star Trek Discovery and another picture of the uh, Kylo Ren from the new Star Wars sequels and another picture of the new doctor who uh, admittedly um, is a pretty decent actor. But that show got so woke with the new doctor that nobody can watch it anymore. Well, and that's it. I mean, it's nothing to do with the lead character being a female. The writing is what has to. And that's what I was saying with the Doctor Who thing, at least from day one, which is if you're going to do this one, have a really good reason why this is different than and I understand. I mean, because it could be the doctor could be anybody, but. Yeah. You know, for for what, 50 something years, it was always a white guy from the uh, England somewhere, you know, in the UK. Um, but, you know, OK, I get that. But if you're going to make a massive change, make sure the writing can back it up. And I'm, I mean, I'm always yeah. just offended by the fact when it's like, well, now we have a uh, we have a black Spider-Man. It's like, well, couldn't you come up with a different character? I mean, why is it just like let's shoehorn different things into one character? It's like that just never seems to work. And, and, and again, with, with Doctor Who, uh, it, it's not, it's not putting in, in fact, with none of these, it's not putting in a strong female lead that killed it. It would, you know, with the new doctor, they got right. uh, a, a very, I mean, I, I really like her acting. I think that she does a good job. She's just working with the most cliched, obnoxious scripts. Yes. And it it was it was the new direction of the show that killed it. And they just happened to bring on a woman, too. I got no problem with the doctor being a woman. I mean, why not It you reincarnate? If you're going to reincarnate, why not try both sides of the fence? I mean, could be fun for a little bit, but it just trying to build uh, stories where, uh, you know, well, first of all, the rest of your cast is also token diversity when, well, yeah. when you have precisely one of each nationality <laughs> and, you know, somebody who you, you just for no apparent reason, there's like, here's another character we threw on the cast that doesn't really fit the narrative, but we need one because uh, she's a black lesbian. It, what? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that's it. And I don't mind. I mean, I want things to have a ring of truth to them. I mean, to me, that's where entertainment, it does it right. And I don't mind, you know, people have said if they had to make remake friends now, well, just imagine how that would be because you have six you know, white people and it's like, that's just horrible. Oh, and that's, that's totally racist. racist. And so we would have to we would have to mix that up. But I say bullshit. People are going to do what people are going to do. I mean, I really enjoy the show Blackish. I mean, now the same by the same token, then then you token. should. Yeah, sorry. That was uh, un, un, maybe a very either. Uh, you know, not good choice of a word, but maybe a great choice of a word. Yeah, because well, oh, it's it's such it's such a black show. Oh, my God. Can't they can't they um have a maybe a couple of kids that they uh, adopted that were white? And then we need where's the Chinese kid? Bring somebody in. You know, it's like, no, you don't need to always. Now, if the story calls for it, let's have a big melting podcast. That's great. But there's nothing wrong with making a show 
about six white assholes growing up in New York. There's nothing wrong with making a show about black families. I mean, this is okay. We don't have to mix everything up all at the same time. Just make your show authentic. That's what makes it a good show. The forced diversity. You know, the funny thing is the people who are pushing forced diversity into all of the Hollywood entertainment and and killing the entertainment in the process. What they don't realize is that they are being just as culturally insensitive as the the Hollywood from the 1960s, where even the you know, even the the Indians on the opposite side of the Western were played by, by whites because they didn't, I mean, okay. And then, and then like, Oh God, I was watching some Western where the Indian was played by some totally Caucasian white dude with a French accent. (laughs) Wait, did (laughs) that ruined it for you? No, it didn't because the story held up, but it it was, I mean, it was a pretty obvious example of what you would call culture and and sensitivity now. But the thing is, you always make media to match your culture because that's what the audience wants. The audience wants things that are familiar and Hollywood culture now is let's make sure that the lead is the, you know, is the black female, preferably the one who doesn't identify as whatever um and make sure that you have a a set of of affirmative action tokens on your cast and that's the culture in hollywood and they've completely departed from the culture of anywhere else in the world with the other possible exceptions of other woke places like portland or seattle but that's your culture now but at the same time you know where is the 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 thai and the korean and the chinese and the japanese those are all very different you know if, if you're in East Asia, those are very, very different people. And somehow you're not pushing for a diversity of having a token of each type there. Why? Because this is not for East Asian audiences. Well, yeah, because cultures are vastly different around the world and even just around the United States. I mean, it's a vastly different thing to live in Chicago as it is to live in Wyoming. You know, there's drastically different ways of life and there's no problem with that. Again, be authentic. And when you start getting to the point where you say, wow, yeah, you can't hire somebody that can hear to play a deaf person. Well, this is where everybody that is a minority should start getting worried because this is starting to go down a very slippery slope of, well, yeah, you have to be X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you have to be a trans person to play a trans character. Or you, I mean, then it's like, well, do you have to be gay yeah. to play gay? Because as it's been mentioned before here, maybe or it was on no agenda. Well, and we know there's a lot of gay actors in Hollywood that would still like to play straight on this, you know, because that's where the big bucks are still on the uh, big screen. Well, now that's we can't have gay people playing straight people. That's hateful, right? I mean, I'm, am I missing something? No, no, we must totally pigeonhole everybody and make sure that they're stereotyped into only one kind of role ever and totally limit yes. their uh, their careers by saying, well, sorry, our script, we you know, we, we'd love to have you, but it turns out our writers didn't write a, a gay homophobe into the script for this show. Maybe next time, you know, and that is the the concept that the way we have to treat these subjects. It, it's interesting because I watched through uh, Spin City again, which I thought was a decent comedy with uh, Michael J. Fox and then Charlie Sheen as the lead. But the character of uh, Stuart, I mean, the oversex Stuart, I mean, that's kind of like the Bemrose. He's the guy sitting in the corner causing trouble, being a pervert. That's you, right? And then we have Carter, who was the gay black guy. And now 
the whole thing, there were so many gay jokes, especially between those two. And that's why I thought it was interesting because Carter. Do people think that's funny. <laughs> I, you know, it, it can be done well. And I think some of it was, you know, the uneasiness of this, a lot of the situations more than anything else. But I was, I had my mind blown when I heard the guy on uh, Randall Winston, who is a gay black guy who was the producer of Scrubs. And he was also involved in the making of Spin City. They even used his name for the mayor, who, of course, is a straight white mayor. But Randall Winston, that is the guy that was the producer for Scrubs. And he worked on this show. And the character of Carter was actually uh, based on him and his best friend. Well, the character of Stuart was based on him. Now, the funny thing is the characters of J.D. and Turk from Scrubs also based on the same two guys and on the same friendship, just looking at it from a totally different, uh, you know, vantage point. Instead of were two guys working at City Hall, they were two guys that were doctors. But this just shows you how, you know, you can build something into, you know, to be a hospital show or to be whatever it is. But these characters were not that different when it all came down to it. And it was authentic, though, which is why I think it was funny. I mean, I think the fact of, you know, people that have gay friends, I mean, I'm sure there are situations where, you know, things come up that are humorous. But now it's like, oh, no, we can't even we can't even mention that because that's just hateful. Or, you know, where do people gain an understanding of different kind of cultures when you're dealt with this sledgehammer of, well, we can't even talk about this or we dare not do this. It's like bullshit. You know, as long well, as it's- you, you don't, but you get a great understanding of whatever caricature of a culture they're trying to push on you. Maybe uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and give my my free advice. And I, I'm sure I've done this before, but my free advice for a- anybody who's writing a story. And and that is if you want your characters to be believable, write people don't write identities. Uh, the the. People are not their identities. If, if you know, if if you have somebody who claims, well, I'm uh, you know a, a lesbian man hater, and and that's your only identity, then you're frankly a very boring person. And I bet there's a lot more to your personality than just that one identity. But the people who you know, it, it the people who choose to live as the identity are really not interesting. Because we all have our stereotypes in mind. And if you just are like, yep, everything that you've already thought about, about that stereotype. Yeah, I'm personifying it. Like, well, then why do I need to talk to you? No, the the real things that what people engage with and, and in particular, this shows up in any good story is write a whole person, write a, a real person. And then if you have to. You know, when, when you have to, as, as a part of, of writing a person, you, you end up necessarily assigning attributes of that person. And those attributes could be used to put someone in identity groups for the people whose entire mental state breaks free if they don't have identity groups to latch onto. But that's not who you're writing. You know, I, I'm, I, I don't, you know, I, when I talk to you, I, I'm not, talking to uh you know an, an old white grumpy bald guy because uh, although that's a great caricature and it's the neat kind of thing to put onto a show art I- i'm talking to darren o'neill who is a guy that sometimes is a friend except when i hate you which is most of the time 
<laughs> and I, I, I mean, treat people like people, I guess is, is what I'm saying. If treating people like stereotypes is an awful way to go through life and it always fucks up something. Now, could, uh, could somebody like Archie Bunker exist on television today? Uh, it would be a lot more depth to the character than was shown on the TV show. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting because. Well, it, actually, I don't know. There, it depends on who's telling the story, I suppose. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> can you tell the story of a racist character at this point, you know, or is that just oh, considered too offensive and too hateful? I could. I mean, yeah, well, you could, but I don't know if anybody's actually doing this. On, I mean, could could Hollywood? Probably not. See now, but Hollywood is dying, and with good reason. And Omaha brings up a good point. What if Archie Bunker was a black racist? I mean, then that nobody well, would then, touch. Then that. it would. Yeah, I mean that that that's half the characters in Hollywood these days. Yeah, I mean, but they they wouldn't touch that. I mean, they Portland. Want, is there when, when's the last character we saw on network television that was black and was racist against, you know, white people or Asian or whatever. And that was a part of the, the story. I don't remember seeing I that. I mean, I mean, last night I saw some footage of, of Antifa in Portland, if that's what you're getting at. That's a reality show. That's uh, <laughs> that's different. That is different. But I mean, that was if you're going to mention reality shows, we have to mention it was just a few weeks, months ago. That CBS, I think it was, again, the same one that's under fire here with the stand and having a somebody that can hear playing a deaf character. I think it was CBS that announced that all of their reality shows moving forward would have a cast that are at least 50 percent minority. So uh, I don't know if that quite how that works, because that would seem to be like, well, Let's just say if we're going to go based upon the the, the demographics of the United States, I don't know exactly how this goes well, let's, with the actors. But let's just say there's 85 percent white actors, approximately and 15 percent black. And you say, well, we have to hire 50 percent black. Now, that is the most racist thing ever against white people. You're, you're, you're overthinking this. I let's am? ignore demographics for a moment and okay. just think about the phrase more than 50 percent minority. I know. That's the that's the insanity of it. And to not realize that that is, you know, it's like inclusion is a good thing. But when you start putting numbers on this and be like, uh, yeah, we need at least 50 percent so we could be. If you if you take a group that is, quote, minority and you allocate more than 50 percent of that, you are automatically not representing the the larger population sample for the simple fact that they're a minority. If there were more than 50% in the general population, they would be a majority. And then they miss the fact that people, like you said, they want to feel, uh, they want to feel that warm, fuzzy sweater feeling. They want to watch entertainment that reminds them of their life, you know, of their surroundings. You know, I mean, you can make exceptions on certain types of content, but, there is a lot of that. It's like there's, you know, some people I'm sure that are total racist and be like, oh, I would never watch. Ra- I would never watch Blackish. That's a black show. It's like, well, then you're missing out. But, you know, I would say that I watch that show. I find it to be quite entertaining, but I don't see, you know, a lot of my experiences growing up in that show. It's totally different. You know, I may see, uh, you know, a lot more of my experiences growing up in a show with an all white cast, but that doesn't mean that either one of those are bad or shouldn't be explored or they shouldn't be, you know, out there in the entertainment sphere. But it's like when you start making things, as we said, authentic is the key because once you know, you- I've, 
I'm sorry. But once you start mixing this stuff in where they don't normally go, I mean, if you have, like you said, I, if you came to somebody with a treatment and it was the best story ever of, you know, a computer coder growing up and it was just about that. And then they're like, okay, well, that's great, but you're going to have to have a gay best friend in here and a black neighbor. And then it would be great. That's like well, I mean, how, how to ruin a Hollywood story and make it Hollywood 101. Yes, that's it. You know, I, 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 I've never had any urge to watch or even figure out how to watch the show Blackish, and uh, maybe I'm a terrible person. Well, yeah, uh, probably not, not for, for that, that reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the reason why I've never had any interest in it has nothing to do with it being a quote unquote black show, and everything to do with it's a show that came out of Hollywood, and most of them I assume to be shit by default. And until somebody recommends something to me and says, this is actually not shit and you should try it. And it's somebody I respect. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch. Yeah, it's actually a decent show. I would it's, say okay. that they they deal with the race stuff in a very good way. It's not uh, I mean, it can be a little preachy, but I've never found it to be way, way preachy because the intriguing thing is, is that, of course, the parents in this show, very successful. So they they play them off now as being worried that they're too white almost even though they're not obviously but uh you know this is where you know with the kids and the interaction and you know wanting their kids to go of course to like private schools and good schools and then you know are we not making them you know close enough to their culture or what is their culture and that's i mean should their culture be based upon the color of their skin or should it be based upon you know where they live and who their friends are and all of this and it's they take a pretty decent look at a lot of these topics in a way that is both humorous, which it is a comedy and also thought provoking, which it's hard to do both of those at this point, because the ones that want to be thought provoking. And yet we do it every day. I know we are geniuses at what we do. You know what you just did right there? Uh, that that was called a word of mouth review and is immensely more effective than any form of advertising blitz that can come out of corporate media uh, at making someone like me even remotely interested in watching a show. So um, I, I, I just pointed that out because uh, I, I, Hollywood could have blasted me with targeted ads for weeks about this show and it would just piss me off and make me unlikely to watch anything. And then you come and give an honest review of what you say. I, I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is that that's what advertising should be um, and and not what Facebook is currently uh, getting really cranky with Apple over right now. Well, yeah, they're uh, they're having a war over the uh, over the soul of the Internet. Of course. No, it's about it's about advertising the soul of the Internet and who can ring it for the most money. Yes. Well, and it, it makes sense because this is where. We you know start having serious conversations about things being monopolized, and when you have two of these really heavy hitters in Apple and Facebook that can uh, that can go head to head in a case like this, and we talked about this because it's in January sometime. Apple's flipping a switch, right, which is going yeah. to totally mess with how any third party advertisers, cookies, all this kind of stuff will be handled by their devices and and Facebook's losing their crap. Is that the gist of it? Uh, the, yeah, the gist of I mean, I can I can give you something a little bit more technical than 
than I, that if you'd like. You but, know, I bet you the the uh, experts would like something a little more technical than that. <laughs> well, uh, Apple has a, a new feature uh, they call their, and uh, where do I have that? I've got, um, they call it the user privacy and, no, user privacy and data. What the hell is this? Okay. I have the wrong website. Anyways, they have a, a tracking permission to track framework. Uh, oh, oh, there it is. App tracking transparency framework is what Apple calls it. Uh, just in case you need to search for that for any reason, which you don't. Um, the, this framework will require that any, uh, let's see, uh, with iOS 14, you will need to receive the user's permission through the app tracking transparency framework to track them. At, or access their devices advertising identifier. So from the technical side, that is the crux of it is uh, Apple products. Uh, iOS in particular has always had a concept called an advertising identifier, which is uh, a, a GUID for lack of a better term. I'm not sure if that's what it is or some string, but what, but it's a token, which is attached to your phone, which once you have that token, you can put it in and use it as a key in a database. and and you can collate all sorts of things from different apps, from different people, from different uh, activities, et cetera. If you can get that identifier, you can use it as a key and everything that happens with that phone or with that user, you can connect together and track. And of course, Facebook being a tracking and advertising company, they make their bones on being able to track people and target ads. Now, right. how much is, how much is that worth? Well, um, when Apple first announced this, this product or this, uh, framework, Facebook quote warned that ad campaigns will bring in 50% less revenue if they are not allowed to use targeting and personalization. So what Apple is doing here is they have a technical framework that says you need to jump through these hoops in order to get access to that advertising ID. Uh, the hoops are that you have to call an API. Uh, the API says, and, and there's an example image says, uh, you know, such and such app would like permission to track you across apps and websites owned by other companies. Your data will be used to deliver personalized ads to you. It has two buttons, allow tracking or ask app not to track. And if you don't call this API, you don't get the ad ID. And yeah, Facebook is losing their minds because they rightfully realize that most people are going to be like, actually, I don't really want the tracking. And right. Facebook stands to lose 50% of their targeted ad revenue. Well, because most people, I think, realize at this point that you aren't gaining a you're not gaining a better life. You're not gaining something that you really want by opting in to the tracking. And I, I would be curious to oh, know. But, but you're gaining ads for products that they think you might like. The algo is choosing to give you relevant products. That's that's really the promise the whole time. I know. And who never really mind that cares? it doesn't fucking work. Yeah, who but who really cares about more relevant ads? Most people are like, I don't want to see ads. Yeah, not, I don't want ads. Not that I want them to be more relevant to things I'm looking for. I know what I'm looking for, but yeah. the the intriguing thing would be, you know, the knee-jerk reaction being a guy that still uses a desktop and you know laptop mainly would be, well, you know, what percentage does Apple really have? And then you start going, oh, iPhones and iPads, and most people don't use desktops and laptops where, you know, is it, do they own 50% of that ecosystem, do you think, Apple, as far as overall internet usage? Are they 
I mean, it's no. probably, you know, what, 20%, I, I would 30? Bet, I would bet iOS is 10%, 15 but, maybe. Yeah, and that's not, yeah. and that's not 50% then if but, this but happens. The, the, but. Most of the rest of it is owned by an advertising company. And if you're really trying, if if this is really important to you, then then you're not going to get an Android because it is owned by an advertising company that would never take a step like this unless their market share were seriously compromised. And, and so th- this is one place where uh, the, di- the, the fundamental difference in business model between Apple and Google shines through. And that is uh, Apple exists to sell you products from companies and Google exists to sell you as a product to companies. And if, if Apple, if Apple want, you know, this gives Apple an edge. If they come out and say, we actually care about user privacy. Oh, and also fuck all advertising companies because our biggest competition is an advertising company. Make no mistake. This is absolutely self-serving on Apple's part. It's a huge fuck you to Google and not just Facebook because they're screwing over advertisers. But as a consumer, kind of on Apple's side here. Well, yeah, and this this is where, uh, you know, they may gain customers. The interest is, yeah, interesting thing is up to 70% of web traffic now coming from mobile devices, according to a source uh, called Blue Corona, which is, that, that blows my mind, 70% on mobile devices of all web traffic. And then yeah, the question becomes, I, I you know, what, yeah, what percentage is uh, Apple, let's see here, Apple, Android. 2020 what what is the split here because uh let's see crazy uh, what for apple yeah i want to know what well, the uh you know what the well, overall- while you're looking that up i'm going to read a couple more things that the, the 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 chicken little i mean facebook decided to point out the sky is falling um quote from dan levy the head of ads and business products at facebook uh so yeah totally neutral guy says uh um Folks should go study Apple policies because this is about control of the entire Internet, The which is which is to say he's presenting this horrible scenario where Apple will control the entire Internet. And that's bad. But if if this goes through or, you know, if this doesn't go through, then Facebook will control the entire Internet. And of course, that makes him more money. So great. Um, he points out and rightfully so that Apple stands to make more money in subscriptions if companies can't make money with ads. Um, I mean, yeah, and, and that's probably one of the reasons why. Uh, but they took out things like full-page newspaper ads saying, quote, we're standing up to Apple for small businesses everywhere. They did a press conference where they trotted out some small business owner and said that if Apple does this, Apple will put them out of business the spin is on oh by the way the press conference they never actually explained how apple's move would possibly put any small businesses out of business but hey you know um the the spin is on facebook is totally in propaganda mode over trying to make it look like apple is going to single-handedly destroy the internet by giving people the ability to choose whether or not they want to be tracked well you can do that anyway with devices like the Winston device or with the pie hole and with VPNs and the anti-browser fingerprinting stuff that you can do. But according to a site here, about 73% Android and 27% iOS are the, uh, are the markers that's higher here. than I expected. Okay. Yeah. But that's a decent amount, but overall between the two of those, 
uh, like 98 uh, plus percent. So there's not a lot of uh, there's not yeah. a lot of outliers, not a hell of a lot of Symbian or Windows phone out there. No, Windows, I think, was like 0.27 percent as of uh, last September. So, I mean, honestly, yeah. I'm g- given that Microsoft <laughs> kind of strangled that baby in its grave. I'm surprised it's even that high. But I mean, this is interesting stuff just from the point of anti-tracking. So it's like, OK, if you're right, like kind of right now for every three phones are under Android, one's under Apple. I can see where uh, Apple could make a move if they could really. This will be uh, the funny thing is, I'm sure they will use this as in their advertising and marketing, which is we're advertising to let you know we don't let advertisers advertise to you. Oh, sure. Of course they will. And it's genius. I mean, marketing from Facebook, bad marketing from Apple. Good. If, if you're if you're in Apple PR, that's that's how you think it makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could see why they want to go down that route, you know, just like the stuff the Winston device does. And I had somebody comment on uh, the YouTube review of that, like ah, the software is not open source. It's useless. I'm like, OK, that's fine. I mean, if you want to feel that way, but uh you know, prove their other. You well, know. It, 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 it has. I mean, it has an effect. It definitely I, I think, in my opinion, it reduces the value. But useless is a little strong. Yes. It's, I mean, it's like, well, a majority of what the thing does, you can audit. You know, his whole concept was, well, how do you know it's not sending anything to the mothership? And it's like, well, if you got half a brain, you could figure it, that out. Yeah. Pretty easily. Because because packet sniffing is a thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's why. So until somebody comes out and that's where we have. One thing that comes good out of the Internet is the techies that look at all this stuff. If a company makes claims about this and they're totally wrong, somebody will out them. In theory, yeah. At least you know. Lest anybody think that that I like Apple for any reason, I, I would hate to be called an Apple shill. Although now that I just said that, somebody will. And fuck you. Uh, You're an Apple but, shill. Yeah, see, fuck you. Um I just to balance that, I brought a story of a, uh, quote, zero click exploit uh, on iPhone. Yeah. Called Kismet. Oh, my God. This was uh, Al Jazeera saying like most of their yeah. uh, journalists were hit. with oh, this. Uh, Yeah, this was very clearly targeted at Al Jazeera. Uh, there is an exploit which uh, was confirmed. This this all comes from uh, a group called Citizen Lab. Um, the exploit, it was confirmed on iOS 13.5.1. And if, if you're counting or paying attention to version numbers, that means they do not believe that it will work on iOS 14. So their call to action is to upgrade your device, which is generally a pretty solid call to action. Whenever somebody comes up with a new exploit is yeah, go get the newest one. Um, in this particular case. Um, the exploit was in the iMessaging platform, which right. allows a particularly crafted message and, uh, a remote code execution payload. It wasn't entirely clear what the mechanism was, but, um, uh, to, you send it to an iOS device running a vulnerable, which means iOS 13 or below, uh, operating system. And it would just go ahead and, uh, this particular one was using that exploit. Uh, which is just a remote code ex- execution exploit to install um, a software package called Pegasus from the NSO group, which is a group of, uh, which is spyware. The NSO group claims that they develop it entirely for governments to fight terrorism. So it's apparently okay to compromise somebody's iPhone 
and install spyware on it if the gov- if a government calls them a terrorist. I'm I'm a little uneasy about that, but yeah, whatever. But, that, but that's what the EU is doing overall when it comes to encryption. They're coming. They're trying to come up with ways to break it. Which I mean, I can't blame them for that. But uh, again, slippery slope on a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so what can the Pegasus spyware do? Well, um, once installed, and, and all of this was uh, a, a citizen lab with the participation of a couple of Al Jazeera uh, journalists and staffers who were in, impacted, um, put one of these phones on a packet sniffer and realized that uh, within uh, 27 minutes of being infected, it immediately began to upload large amounts of data to uh, arbitrary servers out in uh, in the cloud um they identified at least uh two or three different uh groups that that had apparently used the same exploit uh because it, the the package was uploading to two different servers that appeared to be controlled from different botnets yes okay um uh, what what can kind of data does it do? Well, um, they analyzed the device that had as it was being compromised and realized the device was doing a uh, hot mic recording. Right. Uh, it was sending the decrypted audio uh, phone calls. So, you know, that whole end to end encryption thing. Well, it has to be decrypted in order for you to use it on your end. And if your device is compromised, the decrypted audio is being uploaded. Right. You, you can't be a man in the middle, but if you're a man on one of the sides, you're yeah, good. If you own one of the ends, then that that's not secure anymore. Um, it takes pictures, it sends your location, and it will send your passwords and other stored credentials that are stored on the phone up to a cloud server. See, that was one of the most nefarious things about that, which now I don't know how this would interact with things like RoboForm that I use or KeePass or things like that that are separate ways to store the passwords rather than in, like this is usually in the Safari browser or whatever on the iOS devices. But that to me was absolutely huge because, you know, anybody that uses these devices, if you don't have a third party piece of software, you know you're storing the passwords. So that everything you use on your day-to-day basis, that is that is pwned. The ability to listen to, record, send phone calls, the ability to open the microphone at any time. And I guess this was found, if I recall correctly, it was an Al Jazeera reporter that thought something was strange. So they took the phone to the IT guys wherever and were like, can you uh, check this out? And they added a VPN or something to it to monitor it and went, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got yeah, some. You're, you're you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, destroy this phone at your earliest convenience. Yeah, uh, and it, it, the impression that I got from Citizen Lab with regards to passwords was that it was only pulling the ones that were stored in the Apple credential system, the the ones that say stored on the phone itself. Right, makes uh, sense. And however, um, it, it should be noted that in general, whenever uh, a an operating system is compromised like this one was uh, all data that is accessible from the phone should be considered compromised because if the attack is written to gather your, your key pass database or your, you know, whatever, if, if it's written to know about all of the top 10 password managers, it right. will go find the database from each one of those decrypt it with your stored password and then upload that too. So you, you have to, even if this particular one wasn't sending your password database up, you have to assume that it was if it was accessible on the device. I mean, yeah. this 
This is a serious problem, especially yes. given that yeah. uh, the way to infect your operating system was somebody sends you an SMS that. Yes. You don't uh, even have you, to look you don't at even it. No. Yeah. You don't look at the SMS. It <laughs> arrives on the phone. Your phone is sitting on a desk somewhere and an SMS comes in, compromises the phone. And the first thing that the that the exploit does is it disables your SMS sound. So you don't even know that you got a message. And it'll go delete the message. You don't know that you're compromised. And we know how many of the the celebrities use the iPhones. And this is literally a send one SMS message. Correct. You know, with this payload to it and the phone is owned. I mean, this was not a hard thing to get done once. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, one- and given that, I, I mean, they they were able to confirm 36 people all at Al Jazeera. Who were they confirmed? Okay, these iPhones are infected. But given how easy it is to get this going on any older iOS device, and given that they're without uh, forensically analyzing the phone, there's really no good way to even know that you've been affected. Their their comment was: We believe that this is far more widespread than just 36 devices. And in this case, if you read between the lines, far more widespread means there's probably tens of thousands of devices out there that are compromised with this stuff. Well, yeah, because all you need to know is somebody's phone number, which, again, leads more credence to one of the things we've suggested in the past. And I know Google's evil for all their own reasons, and there are other places you can use. But even having a Google voice number to get your text would have saved your iPhone from this if you never actually use the phone number to your iPhone and never give it to anybody, this would have kept you from getting hacked because that I, was the front yeah. door. <laughs> In this case, yes, it, yes, it would. But the, I mean, there's always the what ifs. Uh, the, I, I don't know what to say here other than uh, if, you know, you probably shouldn't be running old versions of this particular software for the reason that um, every once in a while, your device is not yours anymore. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm really just here to, to point out the sky is falling. Try Husker. How, Try Husker yeah. has the answer. Get a flip phone. Oh, yep. That would do it. OTG. <laughs> yeah. Be, be OTG. Because really, I was just thinking about this. If you had to go right now and assume that every password in your password manager was compromised and you had to change every one of those. Oh, how many weeks until we would see you again? <laughs> <laughs> Me? Uh, you know. I, if if I disappear and vanish one of these days, I probably didn't get assassinated. I probably just got bored with you. And yeah, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But the, you know, that would be the killer app. Although that would also be the ultimate hacking app. But that would be the killer app for all of these password managers. K- killer, literally. Yes. Well, that they could then log in and change your password at set intervals, or if you think you've been hacked, where you could press one button and the device just goes to every site you have a password with and changes it because they have your existing credentials and it would just go through and boom everything's changed which uh, i would be surprised if there's not a password manager out there that has some kind of functionality for it maybe not going out to the site because every single site right every single website owner decides to roll their own security ui so that that complicates things but well that would that would but that would be a it would be a killer 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 way to go uh It might actually kill somebody. (laughs) Also in the woke category, um, the Cleveland Indians, of course, 
are no longer going to be the Cleveland Indians. And that's not really a surprise, I guess, to anybody, because it seems like the people in Cleveland don't have the balls to stand up and say, you were, we're just going to, well, no, you can't change our, uh, our team name. But the Chicago Blackhawks are a little bit different. They've been very clear since the start of all of this stuff, including back going back when with the uh, Washington Redskins thing, when they had to change their name. And I don't know, do they even have a, uh, a new name trolls? I haven't been following that closely, but I think they're still just like, we are the football team from Washington. Well, it sounds like the Indians are going that same route, which is, well, we're, we're going to be one more year. We're going to be the Indians. And then we're going to come up with something else, but we don't know what. It's funny to me that a major sports franchise would decide to change the name without having something to, uh, no, net, net, that's, I'm not even going to read your suggestion for the Cleveland team name. That is just wrong on so many levels. But the Chicago Blackhawks, because they actually have uh, some stones, one of the greatest franchises in all of hockey. And even though I haven't watched a lot of hockey lately, I you know, have a lot of respect for the Blackhawks franchise. They've always gone their own way, not always in a good way, because the the original owner, you know, the Wirtz family owns them. And Bill Wirtz, the old man, was uh, not the most fan friendly owner, which you would think that would be very uh, into the uh, being a major sports team owner. But Bill Wirtz didn't really like the fans all that much. Never wanted to have to. <laughs> he never wanted games on local television. I mean, they were like one of the last sports franchises where you want to watch a home game, come to buy a ticket <laughs> because they wouldn't televise them up until, you know, when I was a kid growing up. That was I mean, just recently over the last, you know, when they finally start winning championships again about a decade ago, that was finally when they start putting the home games on television. But the Blackhawks have been clear since the start of this. One, Blackhawk was a guy. We're not talking about, you know, Indians. We're not talking Redskins. We're not generalizing. We're, we're not talking about African-American penises. Right. We're talking about one guy, Blackhawks. He was Blackhawk was an Indian chief. He was actually uh, at war with Illinois and uh, Wisconsin for a while. And maybe he should have won because Illinois and Wisconsin lately really sucked. There's no question about that. But the name originally came from a World War One. I. I think it was the Wirtz, uh, you know, grandfathers. They think the fighter squadron was, you know, the Blackhawk squadron. And that's where the name came from. But this, again, is a concept of when a team is out there fighting and battling and hockey. Well, it used to be more of a battle than it is now. Let's be clear about that. I mean, hockey used to be more of a. Uh, of a man sport, shall we say? Is that uh, sexist to say that? I, I, I don't know. I, I still think that a lot of hockey fans go to hockey games precisely because they want to see a battle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you should. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, I mean, needless violence. Sure. No, but there's not necessarily a need for that. But needless violence is just good, clean entertainment. <laughs> it can be. I mean, we still have, the, you know, boxing and the uh, mixed martial arts and all that stuff. But when it comes to hockey, when it, the Blackhawks. I mean, I have multiple hockey jerseys, and I think that the logo on the front of that jersey, and anybody that's ever watched hockey knows what that jersey looks like, it is not done to belittle. It is not done to make fun of. It is a, uh, it is a proud symbol, 
And it is just strange to me that it's like, well, no, you can't, you can't use that. It's like, well, it's like you can't hire a, a guy that can hear to do a part, you know, play a deaf person. It's like, why? I mean, again, we're supposed to be bringing people together and all of this stuff just seems to cause more diversity because I don't think anybody that's a Blackhawks fan growing up in Chicago. Well, one, let me put it this way. I think anybody that is a Blackhawks fan in Chicago probably knows way more about Indians eh, because of the Blackhawks, because Lord knows you weren't really getting this in school or anything else. So a lot of that, I remember growing up, it's like, well, who's Blackhawk? What's this all about? And it just seems to me to be so anti the point of what they're saying they want to do when you try to get rid of this stuff. Anybody that, you know, if you're fighting for a team, that is, you know, it's a serious thing. But I mean, I know I said this to uh, my wife earlier. It's like, well, you know, this I'm surprised they even let sports go on because the whole concept of sports is we're better than you. That's the whole concept of sports. When you go to see any kind of game, no matter what it is, your concept mm-hmm. is my team rocks. Your team sucks. That's what sports is. But it's it's an important outlet for uh, human nature. You know, we've We've done a pretty good job in this society of crushing all of those characteristics of human nature that we find inconvenient, like, uh, you know, masculinity, that sort of thing. Uh, right, but it is human nature to want to compete because that's the sort of thing that that, you know, uh, thousands or millions of years of evolution really kind of beats into you is is if you don't compete, you die. So we compete. And when everybody wants to be competitive. You need to give them an outlet where they're not actually allowed to compete for anything because they're they're good, compliant little slaves. But you can at least trick the brain into thinking you're competing by having them go scream at a a talking tube or a television set when there's a sporting event on some kind of competition going on. I I might be cynical there. Maybe, but you're cynical everywhere. But that is true. That is part of human nature, which is. This again is tribalism, right? And especially if you're a Blackhawks fan, I guess. Oh, yeah. And, but it's you're backing that. I mean, that is your symbol. That is what you are proud of. Blackhawk fans are proud of that heritage. And I just don't see, and the, the Blackhawks, you know, I'll, you have to give them credit for one standing up for this, two saying that they do a lot of work with the Native American communities. They've had conversations. And I thought it was something stupid, like with the Cleveland Indians, that they went and talked to the Native American folks. And that I get it. But it was only like 10 percent that had a problem with the name. And it's like, you know what? If 90 percent say go for it, screw the other 10 percent, because you're never going to make 100 percent of people happy about everything. And I start seeing this stuff on you know, social media, which is like, you know what? I'm not religious. And I think the San Diego Padres name is now very offensive. And I think the California (laughs) angels are very offensive. And it's like, you know what? You're right. Every damn name is going to have to be changed because it's going to offend somebody. Cleveland, if you only offended 10% of the native Americans with the name Indians and you're giving it up, you're stupid. I fortunately, um, when we do decide to start renaming teams and mass, we're going to have a pool of names that will be extremely lucrative. (laughs) <laughs> for the owners of the teams, because what we're going to end up with is the Chicago Boeings versus the Seattle Amazons and the, you know, the Los Angeles you know, Chase Banks or whatever the fuck. And uh, I mean, we've already got corporate sponsorship of stadiums. Once the names of the teams are up for sponsorship, 
I, can you see the dough rolling in to these owners? I mean, they they're going to have dollar signs for eyes forever. Yeah, the Chicago grumpy old bands going oh. to battle. Oh, I suddenly like this idea a lot more. See, I mean, it depends. You what- are making me you you are giving me nostalgia though for the time back when we were allowed in a stadium. Right, way back when you could go intermingle you know, like with people. Last year, right? <laughs> you could see you could see a sporting event live. Be entertained, have some popcorn, some overpriced uh, water or whatever you like to drink. I mean, the beer. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't tell a lot of sports stories because I don't follow a lot of sports. But uh, I I feel like you've got you've had this one coming for a while. Uh, uh, Do you follow college football? No. Okay. Um, So the bowl championship series is kind of the championship amongst college football. And I, I know we're losing all of our bends by me telling this story, but fuck you. It's my story. Um, the it, it's kind of a, you know, all of the the college football across the whole country gets together and they end up setting up a tournament and everything. But it wasn't always so. I think that started in 1999 ish, 98, uh, where uh, before that, um, you know, the the winner on the left coast would not fight the winner or would not play the winner in the south. and. And, uh, when you want, you know, everybody always in, in the spirit of competition, everybody always wants to rank teams. So the only thing you had was polls amongst sports writers and coaches, uh, to try to decide, well, this team is better than this. And it, you know, your first place ranking was just where you ended up in that poll. So, uh, the bowl championship series was the first time that P that college football actually started playing games for the, um, to find out who was the best. Uh, I was at the Rose bowl, you know, the, the, all of the, the college football games, they're bowl games. You're, you're right. at least know that. Yeah. I've been to the um, orange bowl. Okay. I was at the Rose bowl, the last series, the last season before the bowl championship series started for, uh, you know, 85 years, the Rose bowl was always the winner of the pack 10. And yes, when I was in college, it was 10. Fuck this Pac-12 stuff. I don't know what the hell's going on there. But the winner of the Pac-10 versus the winner of the Big Ten would play in the Rose Bowl and in Pasadena, California. And that was the championship amongst the the left half of the country, practically. Um, I was at that game. Uh, It was was a lot of fun, the story. Uh, For one thing, it happened when I was in college uh, at, I was at uh, Washington State University. It was the only time in probably 40 or 50 years that, that Wazoo has ever had their college football team go to a, a championship game. So what, I was pretty damn proud. What is it? The we, Washington State Coders? Uh, no, Cougars. Cougars. You're, you were close. close. I thought it was Coders. Um, yeah. Our drinking team has a football problem. <laughs> well, somebody has to. <laughs> so um, I, I was pretty proud. It was, you know, the, our, our, I, I did not go to a school known for really, really high quality football. And, you know, we always get crushed by University of Washington every single year in in the the games we play. But, but um, we had a good team that year. So uh, my I went with my mom and my grandpa, both of whom also went to Washington State. So we were doing a, a transgenerational thing. Now, if you think I'm grumpy, my my grandfather was uh far far more curmudgeon than i ever could be i i mean i i should have taken notes because man that guy um we we had some fun uh 
you know, fun. Like we, we got in a car and the three of us drove down there and it's a miracle. We didn't kill each other. There was one point we're going over a mountain pass and me <laughs> at what, 19 years old. Um, we had to trade off driving and it was one of the few times it was my turn to drive because grandpa didn't trust anyone that young. And, uh, it was early, early AM. We got up before dawn and we're coming up over the mountain and the sunrise pops up as we go right over a crest and it, the sun comes straight in the windshield. And I'm tall enough that I just kind of sit up a little bit straight. And uh, the, the shadow from the roof of the car was kind of catching me mid nose. So I could see it wasn't the sun wasn't right in my eyes. Grandpa was not that tall and he could not see a damn thing. And he's really freaked out that we're driving and he can't see anything and is like hey you need the sun visor you you can't see or you need it and, and i'm like no i've got it i'm fine and, you know like going around hairpin curves at the top of the <laughs> mountain pass and uh he reaches over and helpfully flips the visor down and blocks my whole view of the road <laughs> so that kind of guy anyways uh I, i've got i've got lots of uh several more stories from that trip including the time at uh, in New Year's Eve, the Rose Bowl was always January 1st. So uh, New Year's Eve, we go out to Disneyland and and grandpa did not want us taking the car. He thought that we should just go to bed early. We're like, it's fucking New Year's Eve. No. Um, and 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 we're in, you know, we're in L.A. base in California. How often do we get down here? Um, anyways, I didn't have a really good reason for telling that story other than I'm telling a goddamn story. So deal with it. Uh, but the actual modern story that popped up that brought this whole thing on is that, uh, for the first time in since 1917, over a hundred years, um, the Rose Bowl may not be played this year. And for the first time since 1942, which was World War II, um, it is definitely not going to be played in Pasadena, California. Why? Because despite being asked or despite asking twice, uh, the tournament of roses board, the people in charge of the Rose Bowl wouldn't could not get an exception from Gavin Newsom to allow people into the stadium. Oh, screw that guy. So the governor of California, or at least the government said, yeah, you can totally hold your college bowl game, but you can't have anybody in the stadium. And they were saying only coaches and players and nobody else. And that means not even the families of coaches and players would be allowed in the stadium. And uh, the tournament of roses board, who are the ones who put on a bowl game in Pasadena every year, were saying we really would like an exception so that we can continue to exist. And the uh, bowl championship series, because the Rose bowl is now this year being used to play uh, one of the semifinal games. Uh, said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and move it to Arlington, Texas, because Texas is still open. Yeah, you can do things. Yeah. You're playing a game outside, which uh, I mean, we know there's been so much just insanity, even with the outside dining where it can be done. I mean, it's a little harder in Chicago once it's yeah. down to like 30 yeah, degrees. It's the middle of fucking winter. So let's send everybody outside, you know, but uh Nobody actually the best thing the best thing about outdoor dining is that uh a lot of the restaurants at least around here because it, it's not as cold as Chicago but it's still winter here so they're building they build their outside dining and for you know the first thing you put up is a roof so people don't get rained on and then it's cold so you put in walls and then you put in uh more walls so you end up effectively building indoor indoor dining out on the sidewalk yes well that's why I mean the the laws here were to be out considered outdoor you had to have two of the walls open because yeah i don't get 
you see these things like these little igloos and stuff out in front of restaurants. Oh, see, so it's around, like around here, it's just it doesn't have to be a permanent structure. So as long as wow. it's indefinitely temporary, it's like I don't <laughs> think you understand how air moves and all of that. There, but there's plywood shacks on every sidewalk in front of downtowns right now. Wow, that, I mean that's just bizarre. I mean this is none of this. Rand Paul is absolutely right. This is not about the science. This is all about. Power and I mean, I don't even necessarily think I think some of them are totally corrupt and get off on the power. But I think even there are leaders in the world who just got scared and went, oh, my God, we have to do something. But at some point, you have to start looking at this data and asking yourself some very important questions, including why, as we've mentioned, it seems like way too many times already on this show. You look at the little graph and see where the mask mandate started. And then where everything went and the cases all go up and we understand the cases. A lot of that's bullcrap because the testing sucks. But, you know, even the hospitalizations went up and all of that, the deaths went up. But the reality of the situation is this all happened after the masks start being worn. So explain to me how the masks work, because uh, they, they, they don't. make you rebreathe your own bacteria make you destroy your immune system and make you highly susceptible to pneumonia. Yeah. As as Rand Paul pointed out, the health professionals, and he said he has them in his family that, you know, are working on the front lines that wear N95 masks and wear them correctly fitted. Yes, those help. But wearing a cotton mask, you know, one of those cheap surgical masks or even worse yet, the kind people are buying that you can wash. Those, he said, really are no different than wearing your underwear over your face. That's no protection at all. This you know, is, I'd have a lot more respect for that. <laughs> See, this is, that is, okay, that's the mask you should get. Go get some Fruit of the Loom, leave the band on so everybody can tell what it is, and just walk around with some tidy whities as your mask. I mean, it could be the new fashion statement. It seems, yeah. it seems very grumpy old Benish. It doesn't, definitely seems grumpy. There's no question about it. But, He's absolutely right that this is all about something beyond the science and why more scientists aren't standing up. I mean, it's just sickening to me to see the stuff Fauci spews on television. I mean, I thought it was cute. I'll give him the whole fact of going on whatever news program that was. News should be put into uh, air quotes. But, you know, taking the questions from the kids like, Oh, is Santa going to be able to come into my house? I thought it was cute. I'm fine with Fauci saying I went to the North Pole myself and I gave Santa, I gave him the vaccination. So he's good. I thought I'm that fine was- with how I'm fine with Fauci going to the North Pole. <laughs> I'm a little upset that he came back. Yeah. I mean, he should have stayed there with Mrs. Claus, kept her company while uh, while Santa's out doing his job. But I, mean, I was OK with that. But it's about time. That Fauci goes back to where he was before this pandemic at the start of the pandemic when he said, uh, you know, masks don't help because I don't know where this became gospel since then. And people thinking and I've told this to my parents, of course, my mom right now going through chemo. So anybody that, you know, understands what that does to your immune system, it's like, don't believe that because you're wearing a mask or staying six feet away from somebody that that makes you safe from this virus. If you're exposed to it, even if you're doing those things, you're most likely going to get sick. So don't let this be your excuse. And I think a lot of people, that's their excuse. Like, oh, well, I wear a mask and I wear gloves and I, you know, I'm safe. It's like, no. And that kind of false confidence makes you more susceptible to it. Yes. 
It does. And it should be criminal to not just well, come out and say that. You know, you, you, you said Fauci should go back to where he was. Yeah. I, 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 I will go a little farther than that. Fauci <laughs> should go to Nuremberg. Ah. He's put on fucking trial. Hey, I, I'm just out here. I tried to get everybody a vaccine. Yeah. No, that that guy is a criminal. He I mean, crimes against humanity. The the phrase is overused in a lot of places, but I think that's literally what what Fauci is doing. Yeah. And then there was Dr. Burks who ended up. She traveled over Thanksgiving with her whole family. I mean, so much for do this to, to help you know flatten the curve. Do this to keep everybody safe. Stay home. Don't travel. Liars, liars, liars. So I, I did read a report from the CDC. Um, on purpose? And yeah, I do that every once in a while. Um, wow. You are I, a professional I, podcaster. And I'd like to congratulate no, I, I just, you. No, I just get super bored. Uh, <laughs> this is from a guy named Dr. Clark. Uh, probably could pull up his first name if I open that PDF, but no. Um, and he, uh, it was a, the report was called, uh, uh, Okay, I just have notes that says it's the anaphylaxis report. Um, and I think that you probably understand where this is going from that word. Yeah. Um, anaphylaxis is, is, yeah, anaphylaxis is a particularly horrifying, uh, immune response, which is effectively a really, really bad allergy attack where all of your systems decide to swell up and shut down at once. And when your breathing tubes do that, you don't, you don't have to think too hard to figure out where it's going. So not so not the kind of thing that you want people to be getting, especially from a vaccine. Uh, the official CDC report uh, now that they've uh, as of 18th of December, um, we're talking about uh, they had statistics on 112,000 people who had received the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and then they had a corresponding report from the NHS in the UK where and I don't have that number either. My notes are terrible today. Um, but out of 112,000, 3,150 people or about 3% of the people had what was called a health impact event, uh, which doesn't sound like a big deal. But, um, you know, when you pair it with the word anaphylaxis, that's, uh, uh, I mean, that, that kind of reaction is no good. Uh, the definition of a health impact event was quote, unable to perform normal daily activities, unable to work required care from a doctor or healthcare professional um 3% of people getting this vaccine so you're you're rolling dice you're you're rolling a d33 and um i guess the question is uh does this make you want to take the pfizer vaccine are you you still want it you know it all depends there needs to be more data and of course you want to see what the moderna vaccine has the I mean that of the health impact event could be well you got really bad migraines I mean there's a lot of things it could be it could just be you know well and we've heard stories of you know you had chills and body aches and you didn't feel good for like 48 hours but then it passed it, it really depends we need the details on that I mean I understand I think that's that, probably true you know I, it would it would be nice if the report the the PDF was only about eight pages. Um, it would have been a hell of a lot longer if they'd included case details and probably also would have violated HIPAA or something. Uh, but it would have been interesting to find out exactly what the breakdown of events was. I know at least some of those people were hospitalized, but probably uh, almost certainly not all 3000. Yeah, I know there um, was something about a hospital here in uh, in Illinois that had some adverse reactions from their staff. But it, I think the percentage was like point one five percent. You know, it was it was a very low percentage, but it was, 
you know, those were probably more serious when it comes to the well, reactions. But, you know, 0.15 percent, you're getting into, uh, you know, you're getting into a category where, yeah, well, this is what's going to happen with with any vaccine, with any medication. 0.15 is is a pretty reasonable number for any vaccine. And that I mean, that's that's like around that's about MMR levels. And that vaccine's been around for a long time. Yes. And you just uh, need I, to know if you haven't, you know, if you get the vaccine and you start feeling that. Well, then you go and get care. You don't just go, well, I'll be fine. I was just a little shocked at the the one in 30 number. Like of every 30 people who walk in, one of you is going to the hospital and the other 29 can go about your day. You're feeling like the Jeopardy music playing as you walk yeah. in to get the vaccine. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that seems a little high. That was pretty much what uh, the, the recommendation from the CDC at this point is uh, that all vaccination sites should have a medical professional on hand in order to recognize and respond immediately to any anaphylactic uh, events. Would be a good idea. Um, I Yeah. Um, I mean, that that kind of limits your opportunities for vaccination site. I'm not sure uh, if if that means you're going to be able to get it at your grocery store pharmacy. But, yeah, um, ultimately, it, it, it's it's very early on. Um, I know that the, there's a lot, you know, 100,000 people is not that many uh, in the grand scheme of things, especially not compared to the number of people Bill Gates wants to stab. Uh, and the numbers will will definitely change and evolve as time goes on but um i'm definitely at the point where uh not in line to go get one of these right now but people would pay to watch i i'm sure that's true how and, much uh, how much would it take for you to get a vaccine on the first possible day what kind of a donation if somebody came in they're like 500 bucks but i want ben Rose to get stabbed the first chance he can oh i'm fine with getting stabbed just not with the <laughs> vaccine well let's come to chicago then I, I'll get stabbed for money if that, I mean, well, let's, let's talk fees here, but not with the vaccine. Yeah, that's the, uh, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I I believe that this is relatively safe. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I understand the people that are, and I understand why you would be when you look at the news, when you see, when you, when you think that somebody like Dr. Fauci is really an expert. I can understand why you'd be questioning things because you can go back and see everything he said and you can realize how much of that was complete and utter bullcrap. But as I've said before, I have a general physician that I trust. And if he says, get it, I would get the virus. I would. Well, well, see, this is everybody does yes, this. Yes, why? Yes, you would. You know, you know it <laughs> yes. too. It's like you want to say vaccine and virus vaccine. There's something hardwired in everybody's brain that you just yeah. want to be like, I will give you the vac. I mean, I will give you the virus. I mean, I will give you the vaccine. I will. Gi- no. Well, I, I, I certainly don't. I, I, I don't identify as anti-vax, and I know I've been labeled as that before, but mostly by small-minded people who think that. Well, you have uh, a lot of the labels. only. I know. Uh, but I am skeptical of almost everything. And I will tell you that uh, the number one fallacy committed by people on both sides, on every side of the vaccine debate is to treat all vaccines as if they are the same efficacy, the same risk, the same effect. Um, and that is very, very, very not true. Um, a, a lot of the people who get labeled anti-vax hate the MMR vaccine. But at the same time, we'll get the flu shot. Uh, you know, I, I, I would even be I would even look into getting a flu shot. I've had it before. I don't normally these days. 
Um, but, but it's an option because I think that that's not, I, I, the risk is probably okay there, but I will not be getting a coronavirus vaccine. Uh, but the, the moment that you decide that all vaccines have, you know, the same risks and be like, are you pro vax or anti vax? That's the only thing I want to know because I want everything that you've ever thought about any kind of vaccine to be distilled down to a Boolean answer. Now don't think about it. You know, that, that is a massive logical fallacy. Yes. Um, the, the, there are vaccines out there that are really, I mean, the, the, the risks of the vac of taking the vaccine are generally worth not getting the disease. For example, I get my tetanus shot whenever I go step on a rusty nail outside. Well, um, generally, you, there's always that chainsaw issue when you're around uh, Tony. Yes, it happens. So I, I mean, the, the risk of, of getting a bad reaction to the tetanus vaccine is, is outweighed by the risk of having a bad reaction to getting hit by a chainsaw. So, I mean, that's worth it. But like I said, um, right now, I believe that the risk of bad reaction to a COVID vaccine, uh, and, and a lot of that risk is caused directly by not knowing the effects of this vaccine because nobody does because they haven't been fully tested. Um, I, I think the risk of a bad reaction to the vaccine, uh, at this moment still outweighs the risk of me having, you know, dying from COVID. Well so. I won't be getting the vaccine. Well, luckily, you, you are at the back of the line, though. You did see that if you are black or Hispanic, you are at the front of the line to get the vaccine. Oh, I saw a fucking professor who said, uh, yeah, old white people need to get behind young black people <laughs> for, for the vaccine or just overall yeah. or what? Uh, uh, probably both. Um, this was uh, I didn't even keep the story. I would. But uh, this was a. a a professor with a PhD at some university, which again, Woke. you know, you know how much I respect those credentials. Oh yeah. Uh, saying that uh, the elderly white people need to be in line behind all black people in terms of getting the vaccine because the vex because COVID affects black people more. And therefore <laughs> even old white people, you know, are they're not important? And they're, I mean, I, I don't Bullshit. remember exactly the justification other than this professor is both a retard and a racist at yes. the same time. And I, I want to punch whatever fuckhead uh, person decided to give this guy a doctorate. Yeah. I mean, I want to see this. I want to see the stats where uh, black People under 30 are dropping dead of this because I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. This is affecting young. No, nobody has because it hasn't happened. I know. So let's just keep I, lying. I, I, I don't have a doctorate because I had better things to do with my time <laughs> than to spend an extra seven years at a fucking university getting indoctrinated. You mean so, no, I don't have the credentials for it. But my God, if people with doctorates are going around and doing really stupid shit like saying that young black people are at bigger risk than old white people or other stupid shit like marrying Joe Biden, then I, I don't think that doctorates hold a lot of fucking weight in the country these days. No, I would agree. And this is, again, this is the lack of logic. And I mean, I'd be the first person to be like, well, you know, if you're older than me and you're African-American or whatever, you're you know Asian, then great. You get in line before I do. That seems fair. When this seems like this is a disease that the older you get, the more likely you are to have serious effects. Then uh, 
I think that should be the uh, the way it goes. Oldest down the line, and uh, we'd be somewhere in the middle. But this also then totally skews any of these results when it comes to side effects as well, because you know this. This if the side effects are you know like you said three percent, let's just oh, use yeah. that number. But this is only happening to people over seventy years old. Well, then that's a completely different Ooh. thing as well. You know, I hadn't thought of that angle, but I think you might. You you definitely onto something here. If you want to prove that your vaccine is safe, you just give it to otherwise healthy people. Yes, and it, it won't. It probably it won't kill them, and it probably won't cripple them for life, and they'll probably just have migraines for the rest of their life as a result of your vaccine. And hey, that's not really that bad an effect. And you can claim if you do it enough that the vaccine is ninety nine point nine nine seven percent safe because we've never given it to anybody with a compromised immune system. Right. It's genius. It it is genius. I hate it. <laughs> what I just want to know though is why you are not using that new uh drudge totally rip off of drudge, which is a link farm fan base thing. Uh, slave something or other dot com that I just want to know why you're not using that. Uh, are you are talking about thirty three slave dot com? Oh yeah, and, that's it. Uh, the the biggest reason I'm not using it is because I had not heard of it until yesterday, and and I probably wouldn't have. But uh, the I don't know if it was the maker of the site or something ended up starting a a, a wine thread, and and I you know I understand everybody has one of those days when they get really frustrated, but. The thread was basically, how come nobody's using this site? And the how come nobody's been using this site complaint didn't actually include a, a URL or a link or, or any indication what site they were talking about. Yeah, it makes it Just harder saying, to find. how come nobody's using the site? Yeah, uh, it was it was that. Uh, how come nobody's using the damn news site? So I went and went ahead. I was like, well, maybe this they did say it. So I went and did a search on damn news site. And all I got was some stuff about three gorges. So I didn't think that was it. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I, I kind of put, po- you know, I poked at it and I, 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 I could come up with a review by using it some more, but my, my first introduction was the person writing it who was complaining on no agenda social that no one was using it and yet not actually telling anyone about it. And, and then I ended up getting pinged on the thread. Right. Um, and you know, I got to OK, I understand everybody gets frustrated sometimes when when communications aren't working, um, but it was also there was stuff like, uh, well, I, you know, I, I just can't understand why Adam hasn't said anything about it after I donated and, and told him about it several times. I'm like, well, Adam has a lot on his mind. I well, and it's, get that. And this is kind of like the folks that say, I've never done a podcast before, but I'm going to do one. Will you put it on the stream? And it's like, well, no, you have to do it first. That is like the bar. You have to do it first. In this case, when you're dealing with a site like this, and it was uh, the guy that wrote it goes by command line kid over on No Agenda Social. I'm sure he does good work, but this is a link farm that anybody. It it looks like a lot more work was put into that than I would want to put in. So I I, am not going to. It's a link farm that looks like the Drudge Report. But it's our link farm. It is a No Agenda themed link farm. That that's really the selling point, honestly. And the concept, though, where you really lose me is he's really excited and hot and horny about and you could you could put any link you want and then you can put an ad to anything you want in. So when people click on that link, they see your ad and they won't know you put the ad in. And I'm like, fuck you. That's stupid. It's how about no ads? How about that? 
then it's something useful. But this concept that you can like fool people into, oh, I can put a link up and then they'll see my ad. This is genius. It's like, no, that ain't genius. I mean, if you really want to do something to help the community, get rid of the ads and just have stuff that people, if they want to post, that's fine. But you know what happens with link farms when anybody can post? Shit starts getting posted that nobody wants to see. And it becomes way too much of a hassle to moderate this kind of a thing. You're ruining the internet economy. Don't you know that everything that happens on the internet happens because of advertising? Does it? I didn't know that. I thought there were sites. Well, that's that what you, I've been told. I'm, I'm skeptical. You could go and uh, I mean, so I understand the concept of the Drudge Report style site. I've looked at the Drudge Report for years. It's been a lot less useful lately. I will agree with that. The Gab people have their own version of the Drudge Report site, which is Gab Trends which is actually fairly usable for one reason. Gab has a huge amount of of a community, a lot of people using it. And as far as I understand, when people, you know, like you would on Mastodon or on Twitter, when you post a link, well, the links that get posted the most on the social media part wind up on their version of the Drudge Report as the headlines. And that seems to be community based and it's the more people that post and the more people that retweet and all reboost whatever they call it over on gab those are the things that rise to the top the concept which is where this other site is right now the no agenda guy is anybody that posts anything just shows up in the order of which it was posted and that just is stupid well, uh, so no algo right no algo but i mean i mean no algo is is the big selling point that that no agenda always pushes for mastodon well, yeah, but that's a free give and take, not, well, here's just a list of links that anybody could have posted for whatever reason. Well, I mean, it needs I, more I, work. I, if you're I mean, gonna- you, you, you ask, why would anybody use this site since it's it, it appears to be? I, and I, I don't use the Drudge Report, so I'm not really entirely sure uh, you know, how that works or what uh, what the point is. Um, but you asked, why would anybody use this uh, if it's just a ripoff of you know, some other site. Oh, yeah, Progo. Progo it's just pretty obvious. Progo says new sites need editors, not algos. That's my point. Exactly. That's actually a very good point. So I'll, I'll give credit to Progo, but not you. Okay. I, that's why you said Progo said it. I wasn't yeah. trying to, I wasn't um, trying to Bogart his good idea. I'm pretty sure that the entire reason that this was put up was not because it's just a drudge report clone, but rather because it is no agendas drudge report clone. And the idea being, well, this is the one that you go to if you are in the no agenda community and want a link farm. Well, drudge I, isn't I, a link farm. Well, it is, but it's, well, it's based upon there is some kind of editing going on. And I think the, the point with what he was doing and it's rightfully so he said he's had this like in his mind for 10 or 20 by years. The way, are you assuming command line kids gender? Um, Yes, because I think he said his gender, although kid, I don't think is true. He's, he made some comments in one of the threads that leads me to believe he's nowhere near a kid at this point, which is kind of funny. Well, kids today have never heard of the command line, so that's a given. <laughs> that is also true. Um, but it seems to me that I, I think he believes this was his exit strategy and was going to be able to make a ton of money because he would be able to sell advertising on whatever this is once it gets really really big because that's and the, i wish him luck but i'm not gonna <laughs> I, it has to be good well that's it it has to be you know the concept of having a news aggregated site that is aggregated by the no agenda community i think is a really good idea 
the anybody that wants to post anything, it just goes up in the order of which it was posted. That's where you start losing me. And the person that's posting it places an ad on what they're, po- you know, so it's like, so if I want to just say, hey, we just posted the latest grumpy old Ben's. Here's the link to that, which anybody can do. And that's fine to the latest you know episode of your podcast. You know, then you'll also like, well, here, put an ad in here. And it's like, that's just stupid. I mean, I can then put an ad in for grumpy old Ben's, but it's like, why do you need why is the ad part of it such a part of what's going on here? It's like if you just want people to use this website as a way to share news, you would have started without ads and all. And then if the thing started getting used, then get smart and be like, oh, thousands of, or millions of people are using this. Now let's throw some ads in when you can actually make money on the ads. But uh, having the ads well, baked in is like the main thing is where you really start losing me as is. I will say the whole, why is nobody using it? I'm going to take it away and you'll all be sad that I hate that. I, attitude. Well, I, I get that. I, 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 like I said, I first heard of the site yesterday. Uh, the, apparently the threat to take it away happened before I knew that the site existed. So I guess I'd be okay <laughs> with that. Uh, but, um, I, I use the site for a grand total of 10 minutes and, and I'll give you my really quick review. Um, it, it appears to be, uh, what what it looks like is it could be a very useful front end for uh the no agenda show notes uh it it appears to collect a bunch of articles that are of general interest to the no agenda community um it looked from when i poked around about two thirds of the links that i posted didn't have any story or commentary whatsoever they were just click in here and then you click to a page right. that has ads and a link and right. that page is totally unnecessary uh because that first click should have gone directly to the link well no because this is all about ads oh and, yeah i'm getting to that um <laughs> but uh, I, a couple of them did have some kind of commentary and maybe that's a value add maybe that makes things better uh it, it didn't it looked like you know if I could see the benefit of such a play site working if it is, uh, has some kind of imp. I, I'm not sure that, that just having people add things to it is going to be sufficient. Um, maybe if you want to give, bring the content better, especially to get it going, um, you can auto scrape from either Adam's show notes, which are really extensive. And he, I mean, he collects a lot, uh, or you could scrape from URLs posted to the local timeline on no agenda social yes. because there's a lot there. A, a lot. I mean, I, that's where I get two thirds of my stories is just perusing the local timeline on no agenda social. And there are a few people who, who actually go to the work of, of reading these horrible news sites that are anyways. Um, so in terms of usability of the, the, you know, the core functionality of being a link farm, um, I think if you're going to make people go to another, it's not clear what, how people are supposed to be using it. Are we supposed to be just posting links? Or are we supposed to be providing a link with an explanation or some kind of take on it? Like, uh, you know, like, a, like a blog who, you know, grabs somebody else's content and then comments on it and then reposts it to themselves. That that's almost worthy of, of, you know, being able to show your own ads. But if it's just a link, then don't make me click through twice, whatever. Uh, but it's not clear which of those it wants to be, or if, if it's trying to be both, it's not doing very well. Um, all that said, uh, my main reason why I probably won't make this part of my usual day is exactly what you've been harping on. And I know this is a completely selfish reason, 
but I don't do ads. I, ads are not part of my experience. Uh, I use an ad blocker for a reason. Uh, by default, uBlock is none of the uBlock lists are blocking things on 33slave.com. And that's not a surprise because it's a pretty small site. Um, I can add custom filters. And if I were going to be using this site, I guarantee I would be adding custom filters to uBlock Origin in order to nuke all of your ads. So if, if advertising is the entire point, I'm not going to see them. Um, but I'm also one of those kind of people who are, for whom showing me ads doesn't make me more likely to click your product. Showing me ads just pisses me off and makes me not want to use it. So, uh, uh, you know, you're probably best off letting me block ads. Well, yeah, I don't some, want ads. Somebody and, will, will write a script, which will just say, go and bypass that middleman page. If it becomes useful, then you bypass the middleman page and just go to the main story. And then that's a trivial script to write, too. I mean, I, I like I said, if I were going to use it, I'd probably do do a number of things to make. But I, I I don't really see how it's super necessary to have anyway. And and maybe I'm missing the point here. And maybe it is really good to have all of these links in one place. Um, well, it but, only becomes good depending. It's garbage in, garbage out, meaning you'll have to have a bunch of people putting good garbage in so people can enjoy the website. Which is where, again, I think something would be a lot more useful, as you said, scrape something like no agenda social. Look at every link that comes up in the local timeline. The links that come up the most over the last 24, 48 hours, whatever it is, put them at the top. And this is a way to show people what's going on, what's popular with the community, because having, you know, forcing people to post links of just yeah. whatever they want, it doesn't work. That That's not going to work. I mean, I and applaud the, the effort, but. One of the rules of creating an online community, again, network effect is uh, if you if if you expect to be successful by demanding that everybody else change their where they meet, change their their gathering place, change how they behave, you're not going to be successful. If if you instead go to where the people are and make it extremely easy, like it basically has to be zero friction in order to get from one place to the other then that's how you become successful and start to get the network effect and start to be like starting out is, is the hardest part to, for any community site because nobody goes there. And the reason nobody goes there is because nobody goes there. So if you want this news aggregator to be successful, you need to get the stories from where people are. Rogo says we're gatekeeping. And then he put a smiley face. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> But you what, know, hey, hello, Progo. Do you not realize what show you're listening to? Yes. Have you never heard? You've been on Grumpy Old Ben's Progo, so there's no <laughs> excuse for not. My final knowing. point. Uh, my final point about the ads is is simply that it um it, it there is a little bit of contrary. If if the point of the site is to have ads, there's a little bit of a, a conflict between that and and one of the big themes of the No Agenda community, which is uh something they say on that Adam says on podcasting 2.0 all the time. Uh, which is that advertising is censorship and that one of the reasons that no agenda doesn't take any ads is because then they couldn't talk about everything. Um, there, there is a very strong anti-ad sentiment within the community. And so if you bring on, I, I guess what I'm saying is this is one of the worst communities to try to bring on a service and talk up ads as one of the features. Yes. And I will say if command line kid is listening, there are parts of what you're doing that can if, really if the work. If Manline Kid was listening at the beginning, he's not now. <laughs> Come on. It, you've got to be able to take some creative criticism. It's like Adam talks about with the artists. You know, you got to flog us a little bit, and then we enjoy the whole uh, the victories 
so much more. But I, I understand the concept of a Drudge Report or a Gab Trends for the No Agenda community, but the way you're doing it is totally wrong. And asking why Adam isn't talking about it, the I mean, I'm not going to speak for Adam, but my guess would just be it's because your site isn't useful yet as a news source because it's just random people posting random things. Could it get to the point to where it's useful? Yes, but that's up to you to do first before people start using the website that go, hey, you know what? Rather than go to Fox News or rather than go to the guy from uh, Murdoch from, uh, you know, that owned Fox News, he started a news aggregator earlier this year. Maybe it was last year which is a very stupid name, but it's K-News, K-N-E-W-Z.com. And I go there because it's a link farm, but the stories are separated into different, you know, types of stories. And if there's, you know, we talked a lot about, say, the solar winds thing. If there'd be three or four links for solar wind, they would all be in the same little box, unlike a website like Command Line Kid has right now, which is just, well, the the latest story is going to be the next one up, and that's the order they're going to be in. That's way less useful than having a way to be like, hey, these are the important stories. Let's group the ones that are related together and give people something that's easy to use. There's, There's a definite call for news aggregators. You just have to make some major changes to get it to work right. Well, now that we've solved all of the Internet's problems by totally tearing down this one guy's work. <laughs> well, we're grumpy. I mean, he should realize that by now. And yeah. we're trying to be helpful. And he asked. He asked why people aren't using the site. And there's a thing. I mean, if nobody if we're now 121 episodes into this podcast, if we have nobody listening and we had no experts donating, then we'd be sitting here like, hey, guys, what are we doing wrong? And then I would hope people would say, well, you know, that Bembrose guy's too grumpy or, you know, you're too this and your voice is too good. We don't need to ask people. I can tell you what you're doing wrong every moment of the day. I've got that. We have that built in. I tell you what you're doing wrong. You tell me what I'm doing wrong. And then we ignore each other's opinion and it all works out. But that would, you know, that's kind of the analog to that, which is you can't just go, why is nobody using this? You maybe want to be a little bit more pinpoint asking people like, hey, can you take a look at my site and tell me what you think? Rather than saying, nobody's using it. I'm going to take it down. Be like, well, you know, hey, what can I do better? What do you find useful? What don't you find useful? And that's how uh, that's how the real world works with products and stuff like that. But we do have some experts to thank including two executive producers on today's show which is always really really good for a monday show because that's always like friday and then monday's here it seems so quick but uh number one on the list and this is one that i I was like you really shouldn't be sending money to our show because it comes in from our buddy larry blinder of that larry show with 50 bucks and i i I never want to hear those words from your mouth again (laughs) no matter who it is he's a He's been on more grumpy yes. old Ben's than anybody but you or me. No, I, I I will agree that Larry doesn't owe us anything because uh, he is uh, even more badass than we are. And, and frankly, he's brought us enough content just by being on our show. And we thank him for that. But I never want to hear you say the words. You shouldn't send us money ever again. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Uh, he did send a note as well saying, Darren and Ryan, I learned more. During any two hours with you guys than any two semesters of school. Thanks for the laughs and enlightenment and right back at you. If you're not listening to Larry's show, that Larry show.com, you need to go and listen to that, which is why when uh, Metis was on the last show and he's like, 
you know, I'm thinking of doing a solo show, but I want it to be more like that Larry show than random thoughts. And I'm like, you mean good? Yeah, he meant good. Right. That's exactly <laughs> what I, that was the first thing I thought of. Like, oh, so, OK, yeah, you mean you're going to do it? Well, you're going to do it well instead of, you know, one guy just kind of ranting out about things. But I've told the story before. If it wasn't for Larry saying, hey, do a show solo mento, I wouldn't have started random thoughts. And if I wouldn't have started random thoughts, I wouldn't have gone to Void Zero and been like, hey, can you play my show on the stream? And then Void Zero would have been like, fuck you. Go talk to Sir Bembrose. I'm like, who's yeah. Sir Bembrose? <laughs> and uh, and now and now grumpy old Ben's. I mean, that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of that. So, I mean, I still I blame Larry. For grumpy old Ben's. If you hate grumpy old Ben's, I, I too blame Larry. <laughs> just go and complain to the Larry over at that Larry show, but make sure you listen to his shows and sign up for his Patreon to get all the back issues and all the uh, extra stuff that he puts out there. And he will also do, you know, like little custom voice things for you, which I have to mention. Uh, I used it as a uh, for for random thoughts because Zortan in the troll room the other day, he was like, well, is anybody here? have like a good microphone. I, I need like a voicemail, you know, a thing for my voicemail. And I came into the room and then he asked me and he's like, I'm, I'm like, well, what do you need? And he's like, well, I just need, you know, something simple. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Something simple? Like, uh, you know, you have reached his name, you know, leave a message. And he's like, yeah, exactly. So I recorded that for him and sent it over to him. And he's like, Hey dude, let me send you 50 bucks. I'm like, that literally took like 60 seconds. You know, I just said, this is your name. Well, it's a little better than minimum wage if you can <laughs> yes. get enough work. Yeah, I know. That's a, this if you could that. do that all day, you <laughs> yeah. could you could retire. Yes, the, you know what? That's true. This could be the best exit strategy of uh, of all. It's like sixty seconds of work, fifty bucks. I could really just work a few hours a week. And, and, and you've got you've got the voice that commands fifty bucks for for a voicemail like that. I you know if I'm lucky, I might get you know a buck fifty, but. <laughs> Well, that's still that's still pretty good for 60 seconds. I mean, that's that's like phone sex work. You know, call that. And, and honestly, I, I would I would spend that. Yeah, I would give you a voicemail message that completely berated the caller, <laughs> told them they were a complete asshole for calling you. <laughs> that, would, that would be great. Yeah. Like you have called, you know, you have reached Brendan Kidwell. What the hell are you thinking? Calling this guy. I mean, just hang up now and you, then just go. You with, have reached the voicemail of Darren O'Neill. What the fuck? Yeah. Why? Why would you even get? Stop it. Stop calling because you are an idiot and he, he does not have time for you. You are not important in the grand scheme of things. You should really just go out and throw yourself off of a car. See, this I, mean, is, I, I could record that. This is exactly which you so I was you know again long story short I'm like well no dude that's way too much that's crazy and he's just like well I owe it for you know for your shows anyway so I'm like okay if you're gonna go that route uh, you know I, I accepted you know reluctantly because I'm like I just want this is a Christmas season we just wanted to help you out all you had to need was a little voicemail but yeah it's uh you know it's fun to do that stuff and then he's like well I played this for a buddy and we do these uh, online games which you're an online gamer thing and he's like you know we do these campaigns and it's always like introducing you know the next ship up is whatever and he's like now this guy wants you to have you you know redo all of these so i'm like hey well let me know let me see we could do these uh we can do the little things and we can i'm like oh so you want like hey this is brandy going to the main stage but uh, maybe we can do a little grumpy old ben's thing give it up for raven exactly exactly but i digress thanks again larry do that yeah the dude named Larry that Larry show.com coming in next our buddy seam in the troll room net net he wants you to come to Detroit to have some fun in the wintertime he's comes in with 50 bucks Merry Christmas to you and your families net net and we appreciate that net net 
we uh, we yeah. like when NetNet gets in trouble I, I, in the troll room and uh you know i would i'll even consider heading to detroit just you know for a weekend or something but there is something you have to do for me first and that is get rid of that psychotic bitch in lansing <laughs> you don't want to go see uh, governor whitmer that's a big negative you know and she just looks evil i mean really when you think of like the wicked witch from those disney movies you kind of go oh especially when she goes up and does a uh, conference in her her darth vader gear or whatever that was <laughs> that was <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's not a good look. That is not a good look. She just has that mean face. And, you know, there's there's something to be said for that. She's not not she is not cheerful. Net Ned. Why did why did they vote for her in Michigan? I thought Michiganiacs had the spirit of the wild like Ted Nugent. I thought they enjoyed their freedom. How did this woman become governor? I mean, I know Detroit, I would question any big city, but there's a lot of rural areas. How did you let yourself be enslaved by Pritzker? Chicago. That's it. I mean, there's too many damn people in this. You know, it's just we were outnumbered. It's sad. And I mean, let's just not say voter fraud, but voter fraud. (laughs) You know what? Let's say it. Uh, Let's let's go ahead. Let's say voter fraud. That's how it happened. And Illinois is one of the worst run cities. There are businesses leaving Illinois, just like they're leaving California now and New York. And my last story is about that. Exactly. These tax burdens are going to just be nuts. But I, I digress. We're going down now under the executive producer list. And thanks again, NetNed and Larry from that Larry show. We have Oystein Burge coming in. He's coming before a few times. Thirty three bucks. No, note, nothing asked for. So uh, Merry uh-huh. Christmas. And thank you for supporting Rumpy Old Benz. My, my memory tells me that it's pronounced Oystein Burge. It could be. And, I, and I know he's he's come. uh I probably butchered that, too, because I gave it a horrible American accent, but I'm pretty sure I'm only going by I'm only going by remembering when when Adam Curry was uh, correcting John. I'm remembering Fletcher saying it because he's also been a hog story supporter as well. So who this mysterious guy is, and I believe Oystein is male. I don't know. I could be getting that wrong. Do you know it's not Fletcher? It it could be Fletcher. I mean, I don't know, but he also like you know gave to Hog Story. So uh, I mean, would Fletcher give to Fletcher if he wanted to throw us off? Ooh, like he's kind of an evil genius like he, that. Yeah, like him, you know, him having us believe he's not Buford T from Tennessee. I mean, come on, Fletcher. But let's not talk about Fletcher. He wasn't. He he didn't donate this week. Yeah, I know, but he is a monthly donor, and we appreciate them as well. But coming in next with the 2020 donation, I mean, we should have probably been. Uh, you know, hawking on this a little bit more. I mean, that's one thing yeah. no agenda does uh, really show, well. Show number 121 on 1221. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need to start doing more numerology. No question about it. Come in with some good donation numbers. But this comes all the way from Germany. Thomas Hoyman. He has a note that comes along with this. He says, thanks, Darren, for all the work you do for the podcast community. I can't thank you enough for that. I love your sense of humor, your voice and mindset. For me, a Darren a day keeps worries away. Now, I read this to my wife the other day. She's like, ah. <laughs> she just kind of made the uh, you know, the comic strip blogger, JCD, like, ah. and I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, thanks. I see, uh, I see where we're going. And he continues, and thank you, Ryan, for being there. And then a little winky face, just kidding. So, I mean, I don't know. Just kidding. I don't know if he needs <laughs> not even thank you for being here or what. Yeah, but- yeah. He says, I'm- and thank you even more, Ryan, if you just fucking leave and let Darren do the whole thing. 
Right. I get that. Right. I, I, I understand. The quieter you can be, the better off it will be. Uh, he says, I am glad to have discovered the podcast. Thanks to comic strip bloggers. So see, as much as you give CSB a hassle, he's out there hitting people in the mouth about grumpy old Ben's, which is why we love CSB. And I liked how he took the clip about uh, you talking about him on the last show, lording over everybody that you worked for a uh, Microsoft. That was a good clip. Um, <laughs> he says uh, to sit around the virtual campfire with a few people and follow your analysis and opinions, especially on the election. The big no agenda podcast is kind of failing on this topic so far. Ooh, here in Germany, there is not a single podcast that covers the ongoing election that I'm aware of. So sad, no matter if I'm a foreigner to you guys, when I hear you, I feel like I am at home. So keep up the great work and keep growing that outstanding community that you already have. Greetings from Germany. So thank you, Thomas. That is very sweet. And I, we appreciate that. And uh, I mean, I know we have very americanized views because this is what we cover this is where we are but we do try to be uh very uh aware of the fact that people are listening all over the world and it's it's still hard to comprehend that i mean one it's hard to comprehend that anybody's listening i mean let's be honest about that (laughs) but then it's like okay so there are people listening and then it's like you know when we start looking at all the stats i'm like you know, Ryan, there's a lot of people listening, you know, in the UK and there's a lot of people in the Netherlands and there's people in Germany and there's and, people and in think, Russia. I think I suggested to you that that might actually be a botnet. Yes, but I guess not. We have proof. And I know there's people we've heard from people in Australia and it is, uh, you know, we, we understand the world is global and we're just in our little corner of it here. And, uh, you know, we do our best to, I mean, that's the one nice thing about tech is that it is worldly and things don't necessarily change all that much from one area to the other. I mean, if you have an iPhone, it doesn't matter if you're in the United States or in Germany or in Australia, you've probably been owned with the device. And the line, we understand that the world is global. That is profound enough to be a cold opener. Thank you. Should I use that? Maybe (laughs) I can find it when I go back. Uh, I I don't know. I don't have any input to that process. Uh, I will tell you that with, with regards to the election, uh, there is new news coming out every single day. Well, not as much now because the, it seems to have, have settled down on a couple of things, but for, for weeks, there was new stuff coming out every single day. And the only reason we didn't cover it every day is because uh, I, I at least was starting to get really sick of it. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait for something big to come up and then just do summaries. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm happy to do that because man, the, the entire topic gets me so pretty well steamed. Um, the, the very idea that, uh, yes, in fact, all government leaders are completely corrupt assholes who need to be thrown into the swamp and then just put a lid on it. But, um, it, yeah, I mean, we we cover topics that uh, I can't be the only one who gets annoyed at these things. I just might be the only one who gets angry enough to rant into a microphone because the rest of you all are just too well adjusted. Well, it's always nice to switch gears every now and then. And one, we want to track the stuff going on. But since the election, it seems like all we've gotten is one side saying, and it's probably the side I would agree is correct. Hey, it's all been stolen. There's been a lot of things, shenanigans going on, and we're going to prove it. But the problem is, until it's actually proven, it's kind of meaningless. So you can you can talk that things are in motion, but unless you have some really good details, well, then- it's it's looking like the corruption is going to win simply because 
Uh, Nobody is willing to hear the proof. Uh, All the proof is there. If you look, there is there is endless proof and evidence and uh, information and affidavits proving that this election was stolen. But the true corruption is people like uh, John Roberts of the Supreme Court who are saying, no, we are not going to give you any kind of platform to present your evidence. And, and and this isn't this isn't we believe you're wrong. This is la, 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 la. We can't hear you. Yeah, which and, is and no good. That is I mean, that was the the position of the Supreme Court. It, when whenever whenever some dickhead leftist comes out and says, well, there's obviously no evidence that it was stolen. No. Or, or when they say, well, courts have all thrown out all the cases because there was no evidence that that's entirely wrong. Every single place where a court has thrown out a case, it's been on some procedural bullshit like standing. There has not been one place where the evidence has been presented in a court and given a fair trial. The, the big wave of, pushback against all of the evidence of fraud has nothing to do with the evidence at all. They don't want the evidence to be there. So they're sticking their fingers in their ears and going, Nope, I don't see any evidence here. No evidence. No, there's nothing. There's no evidence whatsoever. It's all unfounded because they're just ignoring that evidence exists and they've managed to compromise enough courts to convince the courts to just stick their fingers in the ear and go, Nope, you don't have standing. I'm sorry, but you know, Texas doesn't have any standing in, in a grievance between one state and another, because uh, we've decided that in this one case, they're not really a state. And uh, my response to Texas, by the way, is great. Don't be a state. Go be a fucking Republic. Secede. I'll be there with you. (laughs) Well, the reality is they're like, well, we expect the states to take care of their own crap, which means you don't need to secede Texas. Just invade Pennsylvania. I mean, that's- maybe that's it. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, maybe if if the courts won't su- succeed or won't intervene, then <laughs> it, it could be it could be a valid way to go. And we do have one more. I mean, on I mean, list. that has happened before back in 1859. <laughs> we have one more expert on the list, and I believe it is Bacon Dude that is in the troll room. It's a new name that's been showing up also on No Agenda Social. And uh, the name is Rayford Bacon the Third, which I think is really somebody that should be doing a podcast because that is a great name. Yeah, coming how, in. With- how how have I not heard that name? Like I need that name on some kind of official letterhead at this point. Because Bacon is awesome. Had some for breakfast. Yes. I mean, everything is better. I mean, that's that right there. There's his podcast tagline: "Is everything's better with bacon." It works. It absolutely it works. works. And I think that's a new uh, monthly subscription three thirty three. And no, I want bacon. See, now I had bacon already, but I still want more bacon because you can never have yeah. enough. Bacon. I was going to say, what you, you had bacon. What does that have to do with wanting bacon? What the hell? Right. And there's the other. There's your other tagline is you can never have enough bacon. I bet you he's used that, too. He's probably a real smooth. I operator wouldn't be surprised with the I'm ladies. pretty sure every single one of the, the puns in, that we're making, he's already heard a dozen times. <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope so. But hey, that is going to do it for our list of executive producers and other experts on the day. And we appreciate everybody for helping support the grumpiest podcast in the universe. And we do work on the value for value model, which means if you got something out of the show, it's up to you to figure out how much that's worth to you. Then go to grumpyoldbens.com. Either click that donate button, use the QR code or the snail mail address and get that value back to us. And everybody that listens, everybody that supports the show, we greatly appreciate it. We're having a whole lot of fun. 
Uh, so much so that I think uh, we're, we're going to be here on uh, on Friday, right? As this is true, uh, a Christmas Day episode of Grumpy Old I, Ben's. Oh, I will absolutely be here on Friday. I don't know what the the show is going to be like, but uh, different. Out of if if for no reason other than sheer unadulterated boredom, I think you and I <laughs> might end up getting on microphone and talking to each other Friday morning. I think we will get on the stream, and I believe there's a really good chance. We will open up the live phone lines at 4804-GRUMPY, and the, the voicemail lines are always open. So if you have a Christmas message or anything and want to send that in, this would be the time to do it, because I think it'll be a show we might actually want to play some clips. And uh, if you are a fellow podcaster and you just want to take part of the Grumpy Old Ben's Christmas Spectacular, just reach out and let uh, me know, Darren at GrumpyOldBens.com. Or in the troll room. And for those of you who have a life and have a family and are even willing to see your family, despite what your governor says, uh, we will be back on next Monday with a regular Grumpy Old Ben's show. Yes. And uh, Progo's already saying he's joining us. So the Christmas cheer with the Progo, he's kind of grumpy, though. So I don't know if he'd be spreading Christmas cheer. We'll find out what he's spreading on uh, Christmas Day. But. I think that's a thing. I think we'll be here. I, I don't know if we'll be here New Year's Day because New Year's Eve with the uh, Hog Story clan and uh, I'm guessing, you know, Sir Matthew, because he was, I mean, he was the big guy last New Year's Eve. He was the one that outdid everybody. So uh, we're hoping Sir Matthew will be around, but it'll be interesting to see. I don't think we'll be doing, if we do New Year's Eve, unless we do New Year's Eve into New Year's Day and just, well, just go uh, all night. I, I, New Year's Day is another Friday. Yeah. Yeah, New Year's Eve, those are Thursdays. So, I mean, they, though, we might, we, we, we need a clip show. Could somebody put together a clip show for, uh, well, for New, New Year's Eve might be a regular hog story day. It is. And that's why, uh, it sounds like there'll be a hog story. And then whether hog story will ever end or whether it'll just be one long, uh, I mean, that's, that's as good of a place to release it as any, but we'll be live on the no agenda stream. So tune into that on New there, Year's there, Eve. There will be, there will be live shows somewhere. Like with all forms of media this time of year, uh, all the regular schedules are getting disrupted. So tune in somewhere at some point at, you know, any time and somebody will be saying something and there's there's your podcast report. Yes, that's our podcast report. And, uh, you know, we learn either from the best or the worst because uh, John and Adam of the No Agenda podcast are like Christmas. We're going to be here. We'll be here every day. We're, we're not missing a day. So grumpy old Ben's is like, well, screw those guys. We're not missing a day either. We we can do that. At least not for such a pathetic excuse as Christmas. Right. How dare you? New Year's Day. I mean, Bemrose might be hungover, which would actually could be the the grumpiest, grumpy old Ben's of all time. So, I mean, we, we may just look for uh, some uh, some alternate co-hosts to come along on New Year's Day, too. And anybody that just had a little too much to drink the night before, well, then you can just rest a little bit but do you have any other stories for today i know we're we have to uh, alert the affiliates uh, we are running a little long i mean well for us i don't know if it's long uh the the only other story i have is uh having to do with blue state exodus um and and i was going to slide this in along the the other california story with the when the college football uh championship was doing an exodus but um it, you know what it can it can keep <laughs> it's not it's not a modern story it's not it's not something that uh, it's not something that will spoil cold acid saying he's up for a New Year's Day show. See, the grumpy has to keep rolling no matter what. 
And we appreciate Cold Acid. We appreciate Progo. We appreciate the Hog Story crew because, I mean, the New Year's Eve show, that's going to be the heavy lifting or the heavy, well, your elbow anyway. Yeah. Yeah, say <laughs> it depends on how full I I get that eggnog glass. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, it will be. Uh, it will be something to behold. Last year's uh, finished product, I believe, was six hours plus, and uh, and Fletcher fell asleep, and we just kept hoping he would snore, but uh, but no. But you want to tune in. That's why the live stuff. You want to be on the No Agenda Stream live when the fun stuff is happening. Noagendastream.com. We will be back, as uh, Ryan said, on uh, and, uh, today's what, Monday? So we'll be back on Friday, which will be Christmas, and then a normal show next Monday, and then a very abnormal show, maybe pop. Well, if cold acid is going to come on, then a very abnormal show on New Year's Day. And then we're back to the uh, 20, well, whatever normal will be for 2021. Until all of that happens, I am Darren O'Neill. Coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the politics never changes. And, well, we really wouldn't want it to, would we? And from America's left coast, where the Christmas cheer comes in a rocks glass, I'm Ryan Pemrose. Woohoo! Uh-huh.